and welcome to The Third Power. We are on episode number 25. Woo. Yeah, quarter century. All right. Now, for this episode, we're going to take, uh, since we're at the quarter century mark, we're going to take a little bit of time. We're going to reflect on our cubing experience, and uh, we're going to talk about lessons we've learned from it. Uh, kind of the way I envision it is a... Uh, all the, you know, all the things I learned in life, I learned from Cube. If some of you are old enough to remember the posters and T-shirts of, I learned, you know, this from my cat, and I learned this from kindergarten teachers. And, yeah, well, we're going to do one for Cube. Those shirts, yeah. All right, so today we have a couple of special guests with us. Uh, we have Senior Kenny Mayer, otherwise known as Mayor of Averbrook on Twitter. Hey, everybody. And we also have the famous magical television guest star, Tristan Sean Gregson. What's up, Tristan? Uh, if this is your guys' 20th episode and I'm here, I don't know what you guys are going to do for 100, because this is uh, about as big as you can get in the magic community without getting Luis back in the room like the last time you recorded. Oh, that's <laughs> right. That's right. We had the, the special, special guest. Wait, yeah, you, yeah. Could, you could have him come in here and, like, Tell us how Massacore sucks and get a bunch of people butthurt about it. Massacore. Oh, yeah, that would that would get him, that would get people riled up. I think you can get him to talk about that. There you go. Um, although, <laughs> or we can have him come in and complain about Brainstorm. It's uh, how do I evaluate red cards and what can I get to the table is pretty much where he's at. Because uh, I think the last times I've drafted with him, he just finds a different way to draft uh, 60 mountains. Yes, <laughs> I've noticed that, that everyone's just like, you know, there's there's some talk online, and they're like, "Hey, I watched this awesome cube draft, and we get to watch watch this pro who's awesome, and he always drafts mono red. <laughs> Maybe I should draft mono red." Well, I, you know, I, as a gift to your guys' quarter century episode, I will say that um, um, my hand is going a little bit deeper into the cookie jar for our video content, and I am bringing uh, Taya Steele on board for us to kind of uh, coordinate some cube drafts and hopefully get her to record some content as well, but. Overarching, the goal here is to have more cube draft videos from our guys um, more more frequently. So you'll be able to kind of see my because I really enjoyed watching uh, Luis's draft at the same time watching Kibler's draft in that exact draft where Kibler's trying to you know draft four color. He doesn't cube very often. Like during the draft process, he's talking about he's like oh you know they tell me lands are really the most important thing. We can pick up spells later. So I'm just like you know anytime there's a dual land, I'm gonna auto take it and then we'll build a deck later. And then he runs into Luis like round one and Luis just like pillage, stone rain, <laughs> attack, attack. Are you dead yet? Kind of thing. And, and and you know you watch Luis's side of the draft. He's like all right well this spell deals three damage for two mana and this spell deals four damage for three mana. So We'll take those. Uh, and and I, I love that. So I, I want to get more of that back on the site, and hopefully uh, I'll even get a chance to do it my, myself. Sweet. Yeah, I really liked those as well. They were pretty awesome. I, yeah, I've always... it's, a lot to, it's a lot to put together. I mean, we did a couple, like, all-star drafts for the website mm-hmm. uh, a while back where we tried to get, you know, seven or eight of our guys together to all record off the same draft so you get the maximum amount of information. And for doing a, a cube draft, I don't – and I guess it's still a learning process, but I just – I love the humor of being inside the head of, of multiple guys inside this draft and watching, you know, just watching Brian pass incinerate till seventh pick, not thinking about it, and Luis getting a tenth pick, being like, ha ha ha, look at table. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would do. love, I would love to be able to do. You know, I have a couple of video cameras, and I always would love to do like a whole cam. Since I, I'm not a big Magic Online proponent, I played during beta and I played for a little while afterwards. But I just find that the it doesn't have enough of the social aspect of it. So I always kind of wanted to do like an over the shoulder or like a uh, a whole cam and do it like an eight man cube draft and have it 
you know, be able to follow me, do it, something like that. And I just haven't been able to logistically figure it out yet. But uh, I, I think something like that might be really neat. I'm just afraid that it'll look like a mess actually trying to be able to read the cards, you know, as, as you're going through them. So I think that would be a, a fun project to do as well. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I agree. worst comes to worst, you can always put, like, captions on it and be like, this card is Goblin Guide. This is right. Masticore. I don't know. I, I actually brought my video camera to the in the uh, Indianapolis Invitational uh, when we did the Survivor Draft, and just left it in my in my car slash hotel room uh, when we did like that ten man Survivor Draft. That would have been uh, that would have been a fun one to do. As I you know am in the artifact deck in pack three, you know my last possible opportunity like pack three pick ten, I get the uh, Talarian Academy and pretty much slam it and do a dance around the table. Wow, those are always the best picks. When it's like, well, I'm not getting this back, and then it's just like insane cards. Like, oh, sweet. Yeah, I remember you destroyed me in that draft. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I also took about eight of Sam Stodd's turns in a row. <laughs> that was uh, yeah. That was uh, now right there. Draft. You have to run Academy in your cube, ladies and gentlemen. Flared <laughs> <laughs> Academy like, is pretty sick. There's only one guy at the table who, who wants it, and before he picks into the draft, he's gonna windmill slam it and beat all of you with it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a good one. We had uh we almost played uh we played Pokemon and we caught I think 8 of the 10 signets <laughs> along with Welder and Mindslaver. So, I'm just like, all right, Sam, I'm I'm going to play this game here for a while and by I'm going to play it. I mean, I'm going to play all the turns <laughs> for a while until I can figure out how to beat you. Yeah, that was a good one. Stop all right. Yourself. Well, let's uh you, before we get started uh and Kenny can speak to this a little more than than I can. I want to take a second uh, to a more serious note, and uh, recently, this, just this past weekend at Grand Prix Baltimore, uh, there was a fairly significant event that happened. Some of you guys on Twitter may have noticed that there was a rash of thefts at the Grand Prix. And uh, unfortunately, one of those things that was stolen was uh, Justin Parnell's cube. Uh, Justin, I'm sure as you guys know, is a, a Star City writer, and we should probably get him on the podcast one of these days. Um, obviously a big cube enthusiast and, and proponent, and... The fact that his his all foil cube, including dual land proxies and, and power, uh, is now gone, and uh, I, I'd like to ask you guys as a community, trying to keep an eye out there for it, and you know, like I said, Kenny can maybe ex- expand on a little bit more of, of what actually happened. But um, all right, um, well, this is happening like really late into the day on uh, Sunday, and uh, while most of us were watching our buddy Matt Scott in the top four of the event, as soon as uh, his match was over. Um, we uh, we were walking out and we heard the news that uh, Justin apparently had just gotten his cube just stolen right from out, from under him. His uh, his bag was like apparently right next to him in the in the chair right next to him. But they were testing his uh, custom cube that him and Ali are working on. Like mm-hmm. it's their big project at the moment. And uh, so he just he, he turned his head for just a moment or something like that. And apparently somebody. Just yanked it out and disappeared, and I mean it was devastating to him as it would be to me if it happened to me. Like I mean, it just took the wind right out from under him. He tried to, he like he reported it immediately, and they isolated where it happened and a good like ten minute window when it happened. And there are cameras within the room, so like hopefully something comes out of it. But like he stayed the extra day today to try to get the supervisor to let him look at video, and so they can try to isolate the individual who did it. But unfortunately, the supervisor had the day off, so uh, he had to make it back for North Carolina today. And fingers crossed that, like, you know, he can get it worked out, you know, so that they can figure out the individual who did it and 
spread it everywhere and just try to figure out who it is and prosecute them to the full extent of the law. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's uh, also something on MTG Taps, which was posted. Yeah, I don't know, some post about, you know, hey, spread the word. I'll probably post it in the show notes. But, yeah, it's... I'm a pretty pacifist. Like, I, I'm not really... You know, like, what? I know, I know, right? It's shocking. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. But I've been living in fear of getting bombed all these years. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's how I mess with you. <laughs> but, yeah, just... Man, I would be... Yeah, I'd be really pissed if I had my cube stolen. That's probably understatement of the year. That's like... Well, I mean, not only from an emotional standpoint, but just from a financial standpoint. Yeah, yeah I mean, all this stuff was foil. I don't even want to get started. Like, I, I, I was like, pissed wouldn't be the word. I would just be devastated. I mean, I, I definitely, when I started to put more time and energy to my cube uh, long ago, I, I, I literally got to a point where the box in my trunk was worth uh, five to ten times what my car was worth. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, wow, I really need to kind of adjust my view of things. Um, so I made my cube more expensive, which was a poor decision in the long run. But now at this point, <laughs> if, I, if I was to lose it uh, under any circumstances, it would just be it would be utterly devastating. And I, and I would only assume that someone that doesn't play magic would be able to do that to somebody. Because, I mean, I, I can just, just hearing the details of this, if if someone who knows anything about the game was to get a hold of a box similar to my own, it's just like, look at the time, the energy, the collection. Like, what is it? Wow, it, it's it's absolutely devastating to think about. And I I don't have that kind of shield uh, of proxies, and maybe it's just my own pigheadedness. But my my duels are all beta, my power is all real. And um, if I was to ever have this happen to me, it would just be it would be devastating. And at the same time. Cube itself is such a great tool to meet players, to interact with people at events, to have a good time. And I have definitely played with people at uh, the Pro Tour, at a Grand Prix that I met minutes beforehand or probably didn't even meet. And it's, it's, it's one of those scary things where it's like, what do you, what do you do? And then what's, you know, what's the other side of the coin when it does happen? Um, I can only hope that as a community, uh, especially the people that listen to this show, we could do something because any anything forward me information about people and names, anything can happen if I see anyone at events, you know, just a list of what's gone. I, I would I would want to do everything I could and I would hope that the the people listening to the show have a, a similar viewpoint. I, absolutely. And I, I've already actually soon after learning about it happened, I talked with uh, uh, Jonathan Richmond, who you guys all know as Norbert uh, on, on Twitter, Norbert eighty eight, and you know, we immediately talked about Let's see what happens financially. Let's see if it's covered by insurance. But we both immediately wanted to do something, whether it be a a tournament, a just a, a donation drive, something. Because we can only imagine what would happen, how we would feel if we were in that position. And uh, I, I'm sure as a community, we would be super appreciative of, of people stepping up and, and, and share, sharing what they can or doing something. So um, I'm hoping to... Re- uh, get in contact with uh, with Justin soon and, and figure out what we can do as a community to help um, any way that we can, not only through our vigilance, but, you know, maybe through, you know what, I have an extra, you know, few of these cards laying around. You know what, I'm just going to send them along. I, I'm sure Justin has plenty of other cards, but I, I think as a community it would be good for us to stick together and, and do something like that. So I completely agree. The other thought I had today and, you know, maybe this is just a, uh, a pessimistic way of looking at things, is that even if they found his cube, let's say, in a week, he's not going to be able to touch that thing for how many, how, for how many months because of it being evidence in a, oh, in a, wow. in a, in a trial. 
Huh. I, mean, I had not. Uh, I, I don't know how that really. I don't know how that wor- that shakes down. I mean, I, I don't. Uh, assuming that it's all intact, I think one thing about magic theft in general is uh, things so easy so to liquidate. It's it it never stays. I mean, like you know, if we ever catch anyone as an organization uh, with theft, if the if the assailant is ever dumb enough to leave it in the same backpack, leave it in the same box, uh, not break it down at all immediately, you've really encountered the, the dumbest crime ever. Uh, so it's really about trying to piece those things back together after they're gone. And as a preventative measure for anyone out there that's carrying around a, a box that's you know ten thousand dollars worth of cards or something. I know that renter's insurance, in some yes. degrees, can cover this in some ways. I, I am at the point now where I might have to take out my own policy on my cube, which I always laugh about and dismiss. But every time I hear a story like this, I'm more and more inclined to go to my insurance agent and then probably have my boss do the appraisal process. If, if you have something that's this valuable to you, I know uh, renter's insurance can cover you to a certain degree and... Uh, Beyond that, you might have to look into your own policy. Well, you can definitely you can have it as a part of the an extension of homeowners or renters insurance. What you have to, do is you have to take out a uh, a separate line item on it. Uh, nice. You're going to want to talk to your insurance agents about uh, line items. There's a uh, a gentleman in in Tucson who does the same with his cube that he went and so his cube is actually separately covered under the same uh, under the same policy. But it's just a little bit extra work you have to put into it, and it's you know however many you know a few extra bucks every six months or whatever it might be. You can do the same thing with jewelry, uh, musical instruments, things of that nature. So it is definitely something that is possible to do. But going through a uh, a vendor or something where you can get an official appraisal is is a, definitely a step in the right direction. Absolutely right. So so yep, just you know hate to to bring it down, but I think this is serious enough and. Uh, important enough that we needed to talk about it for a few minutes. I, so. I would I would hope that anyone else that was in a similar circumstance would would reach out to the community and uh, let people know so that we could try to take care of these kind of situations. I mean, the, especially at the Grand Prix level, you've got to do something to try to deter theft as much as possible and, and bring it to the attention uh, when it does happen to the people that are, are out there with preventative measures, uh, goes a long way the next time around. Somebody's like, oh, I can snag that bag or, you know, let's, let's target that person. Sure, and you know, and this this you know came previously, and you know, last summer uh, when the the Ring of Arizona thieves were caught, you know, stealing at Grand Prix Kansas City, I think it was. I think it might be Chicago. It was Chicago. Yeah. Okay, and it was one of the midwestern uh, one of the midwestern ones, but you know, it was a professional pseudo professional ring of you know things that people, for as valuable as they are, people don't pay enough attention to them as possible, and. Even if you are vigilant, it's still possible to, to fall victim to this kind of stuff. And if Wizards and, and Magic and Star City and everybody wants to continue to have high-level events, which we all want them to do, um, you have to start wondering what kind of security measures might need to be taken if this is something that's going to continue. While, while Magic cards have always been stolen at events, it's just kind of one of those things that happen. Um, there's been way too many higher-profile things recently, like you know Dave Williams' vintage deck at, at Gen Con and, and you know things like this cube and... And I, I just wonder what the next step is in trying to make sure that we can prevent this. I don't know the answer, but I think it's good for us to, as a community to start thinking about it. I think if people want to steal from iCube, they're stupid. Oh, I think, have I told the story? I think, yeah, I have. About yeah, if someone took a, stole a proxy, like a plateau, was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a proxy plateau, and like a foil tight hollow scholar was like, oh, that sucks. And then a plateau, and it was like... 
dude, they stole your alternate alternate art plateau. Oh my god, it's worth so much money. Yeah, I think I used that. Uh, whatever the, uh, I forget if it was the Andi Rasu or Rusu or whatever, or the Drew Tucker one. It was the one that was different for revised or something. Right. I was like, ah, I might as well use this, and I'm like, you idiot, stole cross you. So, yeah. so stupid. Oh well. Yeah. Well, well keep, yeah. keep alert. Keep uh, keep your eyes and ears and open. I know a lot of you guys visit eBay quite often, and we'll do whatever we can to to disseminate the information. Speaking of cubes, uh, let's yeah. do a crack a pack so we can get we can get the show on the road here. Yeah. And get right. talking about some some things we learned, other than you know keep it attached to you, you know your cube case in a steel briefcase with a uh, set of handcuffs attached to your uh, <laughs> wrist. Mine is a rich mahogany. Yeah, I was about to say, you've got a pretty pimpin' wood case. <laughs> Mine is like a 1K that has like a dog-fashioned disco sticker on it that nobody recognizes because people suck. I recognize <laughs> them. You do? Yeah. Oh, my God, you are amazing. You <laughs> I, I think my, uh, my box kind of goes both ways, though, because it's... Oh, uh, it's that sounds pretty sexy. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. It, uh, it's very unwieldy to move, so it's going to be hard for an assailant to kind of take off with it. But at the same time, it makes it uh, nigh unmovable myself. <laughs> yeah, if mine is just in a uh, uh, Marvel versus System Heralds of Galactus box. Yeah, that one looks pretty nice. I remember that. So a little bit of uh, irony there of, hey, let's get all the awesome magic cards and put it in a box for a different game. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so here we go. Uh, 15 card pack. Are we using your cube uh, or my cube? or? Yeah, we'll use my cube. I already got the pack pulled out here. Okay. Hopefully there's not a batter skull in it. Um, and uh, 15 card cube, unpowered, 540. And here we go. Card no. number one, him to Torak. Card number two is Soren Markov. Ooh. Number three... <laughs> the aforementioned in the previous show discussion, Mastercore. Wow. Number four is Grand Arbiter Augustine the Fourth, which is another uh, Jimglish card. This was Grand Arbiter Justin. <laughs> what? Grand what Arbiter Justin. <laughs> card number five is CeeLo Green's favorite card, Gnarls Barkley, Doran the Siege Tower. I I'm typing this is door in the Explorer, by the way. <laughs> I remember. I remember when I cast it in 05. Yeah. <laughs> that was Barkley. I cast it in 05, yeah. <laughs> I cast it in 05, yeah. Number six, Consecrated Sphinx. Number seven, Orzov Basilica. Number eight, Breeding Pool. Number nine, Kelvin Vandals. Number ten is... Sword of Body and Mind. Oh, spicy. Number 11, Crucible of Worlds. Number 12, Hansen's favorite magic card, Birds of Paradise. I was, I was typing it right as you were saying the, the Hansen thing. I'm like, yep. Mm, bop. <laughs> card number 13 is Magus of the Moon. Card number 14, with a broken specimen on it. Kind of funny mattering. <laughs> with our... With the, uh, with the Massacre. And uh, finally, card number 15, drum roll please, is Smokestack. All right, boys, have at it. I think my clear winner here has got to be Sword of Body and Mind. Um, yeah. However, if you were to ask my Magic TV co-host, he'd probably take the Kelvin Vandals first, knowing he could blow up the sword, and then table the Magus of the Moon, getting the only two red cards in the pack. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
There you go. <laughs> How has so that's, uh? That's the German strategy for everyone who does not want to take a sword. Uh, I think the only other questions that one could ask are. How deep do you go with Crucible in your cube? Could you take it and wheel a smokestacks? Would that do anything? Um, but that's pretty much all I've got to say about this one. Some brown cards and some red cards. Contrary thinks it's pretty spicy, but yeah. Yeah, like my I, thought... Th- oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it's Sanskrit, no sword. Like, I would probably end up going with... I mean, sword number one for sure, but I would probably go him second and then Contrary Sphinx third. But, I mean, I, I think both of those are very, very powerful. And outside of the, uh, I mean, swords are just absurd, though. So, I mean, I can't really pass it. It doesn't those. help that we're playing with 40-card decks. I think that's really what matters here. If it was, we had to build 60-card sealed decks or something, I wouldn't take sword. But you still only have to hit your opponent two to three times max to make the game stop existing. Right. And, you know, and it suffers, it goes through the same thing as, you know, Jace, Jace 3 does, insofar that it just ends the game super quickly. Phase 3 is one of the most unfun cards in cube. I, I'm sorry. I just As a side note, to, to the mill 10 effect that we've somehow made on a bunch of magic cards, it's like, you, you hated Jace 2 and Limited, and Cube Limited, now look at Jace, I hate you even more. So yeah, sort of, sort of body and mind is, is that. I mean, if I want to have fun and I didn't really want to win, I'd probably take Crucible hoping to just get the smokestacks and then never see a Wasteland, a strip mine, and a Life from Alone, or anything else ever. Yeah, right, uh, Wastelands. Because yeah, taking all of them. A Bitter Blossom, yeah, obviously I'm taking all of them. Yeah, you and you and Prozac are taking all of them. <laughs> well, hey, hey, I, I feel like this this pack is definitely, it's just like sort of body of mine, number one, far and away. But I also really like the Smokestack archetype. So I could be convinced to, same thing with the Mono Red, I could be convinced to, to, to run the Luis strategy or run, just get the Smokestack and just hope to, run the, like, uh, black-white mana denial type thing and hope to get, you know, the Winter Orb or a Bitter Blossom or a Braids or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. And I mean, depending on your drafters, maybe Crucible on the wheel. The red route in this pack is not terrible because if you, I mean, first picking a Magus or a Kelden Vandals is pretty low on the totem pole overall, but think what you're passing to the person on your left. I mean, if you're six-man drafting, for example, odds that the person to your left is going to head into red immediately are, are next to zero. Yep. So you, that, that'll help you out a lot. Um, I don't hate the the red aggressive strategy in this particular example, just because both the cards have uh, they attack, they block, and they also do things. Um, you know, if you were to be past this pack with fourteen cards in it after sword is gone, I think you could make a very legitimate argument for red cards. But that's you'd have to take a, a red one ahead of time. I think if I get shipped this pack with fourteen cards and no, no sword, I'm pretty clearly taking consecrated sphinx. I can't think of a good argument not to take it. Tim is it's just so good. Yeah, it, like, like I play the Sarcomancy, Carnophage, Diagraph Cool deck all the time, and him to Torok, like, uh, like in my cube, I think Black Red is my best deck, like, by far. Like, Black Red Aggro just punishes people, and him is one of the all-star cards. Like, it's it's just fantastic. I win so many games off of just turn two, three, him to Torok, and they just stunt their development beyond repair. I think Himitorak is a good example of, you know, you're gonna, you have to evaluate it based on what you're drafting as far as a cube goes. Uh, the smaller a cube, I think the better him gets. Obviously, if the black strategies are, are aligned in a certain way, the card gets a little bit better. I'm not one of those people that runs the Swamps Matters cards, which I think would help a card like Himitorak. I think in a vacuum, kind of taking a double black card out of the gate very highly is dangerous, at least in my own cube. 
because, again, there's not a lot of support for those. You're going to want Swamp turns one through four, and that's going to get you something exciting, although that is a draftable deck. Uh, so I just I think it's more dangerous to go that route. It could end up being more powerful if the cards come together, but that's just an example of what I play with, not necessarily what someone like Kenny plays with. Fair enough. Sure. Well, do you guys want to keep going, or do you want to do another one since we just like sort their... I was actually going to do another one, but I was going to seed it with a couple of cards or something. I don't know. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I already know. pulled another pack, just in case you guys wanted one. Okay. Uh, I'll... <laughs> Whatever. In case you guys wanted to do it, we can do, we can do a quick one. We can keep going. It's up to you guys. Put it to a vote. I, I love crack effects. Give me magic cards, and we can evaluate them, or we can evaluate anything else. That's not All right, here we go. We'll do a quick life. We'll get some new cards in here. Number one, Stromkirk Noble, which recently was in, I had it in a, a, a Boros deck of mine, and it was outstanding. Number two, Sundering Titan. Number three, Sign in Blood. Number four, Hypnotic Spectre. Number five, Fire Imp. Number six, Flame Javelin. Number seven, Olivia Voldaren. Number eight, Lingering Souls. Got a new one. Number nine, Simic Sky Swallower. Number ten, Precursor Golem. Number 11, Sarcomancy. 12, Remand. 13, Tide Hollow Sculler. 14, Flooded Strand. And 15, Sundering Titan's Best Friend, Goblin Welder. So you know how I was going to seed that pack? Like I was going to make a cracker pack with some seeded cards in it? Mm-hmm. One of them was actually going to be Olivia Voldaren. Look at that. Beats to it. And the reason why I, you know, I just wanted to tie it in with like the theme of this is because, like, I think Olivia Voldaren was a card that was really underrated for Cube at first. People were like, it doesn't, it does nothing when it comes into play, and it, you know, it doesn't do anything, but good. God, she's really good if you untap with her. Or just in general, really. Uh, I completely agree. And that being said, I think that this is a great example of a pack where you can take a card like Titan, knowing that 90 plus percent of the time you're gonna get that Goblin Welder back. Right, you're probably not getting the Titan back, but you can definitely get the Welder back, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, some kind of Tooth and Nail deck, Ramp deck, Brown deck, generic Control deck probably wants that Titan. Although, I can't think of a single deck that wants Goblin Welder ever, almost. I mean, I don't run it personally, but that is a card that does stuff, and it does a lot with the card you open in this pack. You know, again, alternatively, I think I'm taking Flame Javelin first out of the red cards, and then be happy to wheel Fire Amp or no. Do you think Noble will would be a lot of a pack like this? I just I I, I don't know I'm not, I'm not a, I don't know I don't know how I feel about that card I, I don't currently run it although I do think it could be better than uh, Swift Firewalker just because single red is obviously not better hard to get red. for a Naya deck <laughs> not hard to get for any kind of deck uh, so I, I I'm on the fence about it but I would definitely just take Flame Javelin outright and see what I could get back for the burn deck. All right, Kenny, what do you think? Um, for me, it's between uh, Stromkirk Noble or Sarcomancy. I mean, I, I value <laughs> one drops very, very highly because I can't, I can't play aggressive decks the way I want to if I don't have them. So, like, I think Olivia and Lingering Souls are are also excellent cards. I mean, they put you into two colors, but they're they're very powerful. I mean, this pack, this there's a there's a lot of good options. But for me personally, based on my style, I would go with either of the one drops. All right, Usman, what's the word? I think I'll go Lingering Souls. It's a nice, you know, safe card. Like That's right. Yushman does like the safe picks. I, I do like the safe cards. Like, Lingering Souls is pretty safe. Remand, sure. I, I wouldn't mind first picking that, but I think I would go for Lingering Souls. It's pretty pretty powerful. I wouldn't mind splashing it 
the black side of it. Like, if I was going, like, blue-white, you know, like, uh, like, you know, Finkel did in whatever, Hawaii, whatever, Honolulu. Whatever that thing is, I don't know, a pro circuit? I don't know what it's called. They're trying trying so hard to make our lives simple and just call it Pro Tour Dark Ascension, but no, we'll go the roundabout way. Yeah. (laughs) Somewhere in Hawaii, there was a thing that happened. John Finkel was there. I had something to do with, you know, Hitler was talking about not blocking with the wolf. I don't know. <laughs> you guys have obviously seen that video, right? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yes. It's... <laughs> yeah. Should I link oh, that to show notes? Yeah, I mean, you probably should. I, I linked it on Twitter not too long ago, but, yeah, we should definitely. I mean, if you if for some reason you've been in a hole and you haven't seen it, you know, it's you know the the meme where they take the video, you know, the movie Downfall, and 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 put different subtitles into, and, and a a desperate speech by uh, Adolf Hitler in in his final days. And I love how in this one it said like any fan burn spells leave the room, and it didn't really have anything to do with burn spells. It was just galvanic blasts. Right. And he go he rants about how. A wolf run is autopilot and whatever, and I don't know. I mean, I thought it was really funny. Like, I'm a huge fan of, you know, that meme in general. That was pretty hilarious. Like, <laughs> the fact that they came out with it, like, 12 hours after the PT, I was very impressed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> It's definitely very amusing, so we'll be sure to link that. Now, for me, I'm looking at this pack, and as Usman may know and Kenny may know, I love the artifact deck. Like, probably the, the two uh, types of decks I wind up drafting... But my top three decks are one is the artifact deck, uh, aka you know whether it be the uh, welder deck or a cast a bunch of things and and cast up people type decks. The artifact deck, and I really love Boros decks. Um, so I, I think in this pack, knowing that the welder is in there waiting for me, I think I'm definitely sundering tightening, sundering tightening. Yes, sundering okay. tight with the, with the the hope of wheeling and the expectation almost of wheeling the Goblin Welder. Now, this pack gets even more interesting for that deck if it's a small draft. If we're talking about a four-man, you may even be able to Sundering Titan into Precursor Golem into Welder, because welding away Precursor Golem is, and tokens is also very amusing to me. You know what's uh, interesting about this as well? I don't know. Yushman, why don't I you kind of, I, kind of st- I was kind of setting you up then. Sundering, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Sundering Titan is a Golem. Oh, that's, that's hilarious. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yep. No, no, no. I think you can giant growth everything at once. Yeah. Smash <laughs> I'm dead. Smash two. I think, like, if I was to go with the Welder deck, I'd probably take Welder, and even if I wield the Precursor Golem, like, that's still really good. It kind of feeds itself anyway. Like, Precursor, you know, feeds both the, you know, the Graveyard you know, the, the something in the graveyard and something in place, so you can just loop, add, add nauseum or whatever. I don't know. Draw a bunch of cards. Alternatively, if I if I want to draft, if I don't, if I'm not in the mood for the artifact deck, I think based on my recent experiences, I just draft Stromkirk Noble and go with a, you know, the red based aggressive strategy because one drops. I agree with Kenny. They're just so important. Yeah, they're the bread and butter. Run at uh, Adam Prozac style and just take the flooded strand and figure it out later. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Well, that was fun, you guys. Yeah, we can put, I'll put both of us on the blog. Ever, but yeah, awesome. I think. Awesome. Yeah, I think. I think Olivia Voldarin, and the reason, like I said, the reason why I would have seeded that that in Frost Titan, I was going to seed in the Cracker Pack, is because I think, and that's the reason why I wanted to do this episode, is because I think 
not only because of the whole, like, milestone, kind of like whenever, you know, at least I do it when the new year happens, it's kind of like reflecting on the past year, like, reaching episode 25, you know, kind of the whole reflecting on, you know, evaluations I'd done in the past, you know, just like how I've evaluated things, you know, just like, and things like that, where I think it's very important to progress, you know, just like skills and things like that, where if you don't just repeat the same mistakes over and over and over, like when you're evaluating cube cards, even just with cube in general, you know, it's like developing as a player and, you know, what cube taught us about evaluation and all that stuff. And I think Olivia Valdarn was a big example, but the first one, I guess, I guess we want to jump into it. Sure. Was, it. Uh, El- was Elish Norn, Grand Cenobite. Like, I remember in the uh, New Phyrexia episode, I was like, Elish Norn, Grand Cenobites for Cube. And not only is that an awful pun, which is good, because I love bad puns, but, you know, at first I was like, man, this card is going to be so bad. Like, on turn seven, why do you want to kill X2s? And then it just dies. Like massacre worm, just, I don't know. I've, I actually just put that in my cube, so I don't know how what I think of it. But I don't know. Kenny, actually, uh, I'll let you go on. Let's north. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think I think I didn't even have it in my cube until you talked to me about it. Like I was on the fence about it, but you added it in pretty quickly after the new Phyrexia, and and I and I tried it out afterwards, and I was like, wow, this card is insane. I was like, there's so many X2s, I had no idea. And then, like, like I just kept playing it, and it just kept rising in my evaluations. And right now, like, I'm dead serious. I'd probably rank it as the second-best fatty across all colors outside of Worm Coil Engine. Like, I would take it over every Titan. Like, I just think it's it dominates games unlike anything else. Like, it's absurd. I think, it, actually, I remember what happened now. What happened? I think I put it in my cube, and I remember putting it in for a little bit to test it. Because I remember, like, playing it at, like, a Denny's with some friends and being, like, it had some good experience with it. I was like, man, this card is really good. But I still, even then, after that, had some doubts, I guess because I was still, like, buying into the worst-case scenario mentality. Well, maybe that was one good time, but I was like, it still seems really good, and I was kind of conflicted, and it was so stupid. It was just like, this card is good. What the hell are you waffling about, you know? And then eventually I was just like, you know what, this is stupid. I don't care about this bad worst-case scenario mentality or whatever. It's just like... And then I ended up putting it back in, and I was like, yep, it's sick. But yeah, I remember that those... I remember that time when I played it at that Denny's, and just, just like, somebody drafting it and just, just smashing people all over the place. It's like, sure, play this. Because, I mean, if you think about it in kind of, like, this kind of worst-case scenario mentality, where it's like, why do you want to kill X2s on turn 7? Why does that matter? And the thing is, is like, there actually are a good amount. It's like, two twos that... You know, like a Mana War that did his thing on turn three, and Hecatel that did his thing on turn four. Mana Elves, like stupid birds that stick around, or uh, Spectral Procession tokens that are just there. You know, there's so much stuff that's, that isn't accounted for, and when you just use this kind of... Then, you know what I'm... With, with the evaluation that I did when I first saw the card, and just realizing that thinking in those terms was just wrong. Well, the the big thing for me is I only recently picked up a copy of it because, unfortunately, I'm to the point now where I'm a giant cube snob and I will only add cards when I can get a foil copy of them. Uh, having just picked it up and getting a chance to play with it some, I think even the thing that I missed with the initial evaluation on it is that it's a double anthem for all your own guys. Yeah. Not only does it make all their guys significantly smaller and kill some of them off, but all your guys are enormous now. And yep. that's, you know, the combination of those two things 
is, you know, I feel like it's greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah, it's the card is... I completely missed. It's taken over, like, constructed magic recently, like, yes, as a fatty of choice because of it's actually that good. Like, I mean, it gets reanimated in Legacy, in Modern, like, they Tron, you know, they gifts for it, and then... Yep, it's in my Tron deck for uh, Modern. And, like, Standard, the four of Creature of Choice, and when they can reanimate anything outside of, like, you know, stuff with, like, Graveyard Shuffle Triggers is Elishnorn. They could be getting Jinga Taxes, or they could be getting any Titan or whatever, but they get Elishnorn because it's that ridiculous. Yeah, and also just, uh... Also, in terms of pumping your guys, is the same, you know, the, the two twos on, like, your Mana War that bounce something on turn three or Necroton turn four, those guys are now huge. And yep. those guys were probably not doing much at that stage of the game or just kind of hanging out. It's like, okay, I got a four three first strike. Deal. Especially, so few creatures can profitably deal with it in combat. Like, aside from Death Touch, what, what are they going to do? Like, sure, I'll block with my 2-5 Battle Sphere. <laughs> just jump forever. Well, right, and it's the, it's the fact that all their four fours become two twos, and all your two twos become four fours. It just immediately reverses the uh, the flow of the board state. Yeah, it's like a, a seesaw, I guess, kind of thing. I see that. I was saying, and related to that, like uh, Massacre Worm has done has killed many many people or turned the tides of many games. Like you'll be beating down with like three X twos, and then all of a sudden. You take six and they have a six-five, and every other creature that you play, if they have a removal spell or if you have to chump block with it, you still take an additional two. Like I mean, it's it's another. It's not it's not Elshnor, but it's still like I I think the card is probably my second favorite black finisher outside of Grave Titan. It's a very good card that I think a lot of people have missed on, and like obviously you know like some of the people on like Salvation have kind of. Like, I feel like they've, they've been ranking it very lowly in their card, card evaluations, but I feel that's because they just haven't played with it, so. Yeah, I actually put it in my cube, I think, kind of recently. I You know, I've been testing it out and liked it, and I finally was like, yep, let's try this. And But I think uh, the lesson I think I learned with those two cards was just I completely ignored the value of X2s in the late game, and I think that's like when Kenny, you and I were texting about Elish Norn. I think you said something along the lines of, you don't realize how many small guys there are, even in the late stages of the game, until you play with these two cards, because that's where that factor gets amplified. You know, where you, you have, like, opponent plays Master Worm and just wipes, uh, you know, your two of your tutus, like, ah, oh, crap, I take four, I have to deal with this stupid thing now. <laughs> Whereas, you know, if you try, like, you know, again, with the worst-case scenarios, it's like, oh, well, why would I have tutus on turn six? And that casting cost is so awkward... You know, but no, it, you know, there are going to be X2s and things like that. Well, I, I think the other thing, too, that I think people misevaluate, and, you know, I, I could be as guilty of it. I'm sure all of us at some point, you know, we all look at the triple black and the casting cost and we go, oh, triple black. I mean, you're casting this thing on turn six or later. I mean, the, the colored mana requirements on things outside of ultimatums become significantly diminished um, as the game gets later and later. Because, you know, it's there's a big difference between casting a triple black spell on turn six or seven and casting a triple black spell on turn three. Agreed. Yeah, like the Skaralf's Messenger. Right, which, by the way, I, I'm tempted to try that card. I, after having After seeing it and constructed some, I am... Whew. 
I, I, I am, I'm I'm becoming a believer quickly on that card. And a friend of mine, a good uh, friend of mine here in Georgia, uh, Zach, may or may not own a foil Korean one. Wow! That he opened from a pack. So if there's ever a chance for me to put it in there, yeah, we might. If that's that's the one we want. <laughs> you should definitely do it. Like I've I've been playing it in Cube for the last like a uh, couple weeks, almost a month now, and that card has been fantastic. Like it's like it is so undercosted for the the power gets. I just watched Matt Scott top four of the Grand Prix. You know, partially on the back of that card and constructed like it is so ridiculous. Like oh yeah, I played Grand. <laughs> A Grand Prix trial recently, and you know the guy who eventually wound up winning. Um, I beat him in the Swiss, uh, but I didn't get I didn't get a chance to play him in the semis. Um, I was basically playing a, a similar to uh, Jacob Van Lunen's rug deck that we'd fixed up a little bit. Okay. But literally, he just cast that card on turn three every time, and I'm like, God, that card is just worth so much damage. It's Hell just yeah. <laughs> you know kind of like how uh, after I got to play with Huntmaster some more, I realized how insane that card is. Mm-hmm. Um, having to play against uh, Dralf's Messenger, I'm like, man, this card is just going to cost me so m- so many of my resources to deal with effectively. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it represents you know four damage to the face plus another seven power of creatures on the board, and it's just yikes! It is big game, especially when you mix it with things like uh, construct. You mix, mix it with things like uh, cloning effects. Oh yeah, <laughs> undying and cloning is so good. Like yikes. Yeah. Uh, riddle me this, Kenny. Uh, how often does it get played in, like, black slash whatever decks? Like, say, black-white aggressive decks or something, how would you say? Like, most of the time, like, if, if they're playing that card, they're, they're pretty heavy black. They're, they're going at least, like, 11, 12 black sources. Like, hopefully, like, even a little more than that so you can consistently turn through it. And, like, they usually only have a light splash or no splash. Like, so it's, it's a demanding card. But the payoff is is tremendous. So I mean, it it, it definitely is balanced because normally at three mana, if it was like black black one or two in a black, like it would be off the charts. Like they could well, never print that card. Like yeah, that would just be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but would you say like even if it was cast on turn five, it seems like its board impact would still be pretty damn good. Yep, I would definitely like. I, I think it's it's a fine turn five play. It's it's not as exciting as turn three, and it's it's better if your your deck has the ability, it's potential to do it on turn three. But if you cast it on turn five because your mana was a little awkward that game, you're still not sad. You have a fantastic creature that is very resilient and is going to at least char their face. Yeah, and it's like you know, I'm gonna die to this thing, Tristan. Uh, I feel like I should bug you because you're not saying much. Ah, no, I was just listening to you guys' evaluations about those cards and... And laughing behind my back. There's nothing particular I can add. Uh, (laughs) I think Elish Norn has gone a long way recently, and I was one of those people that undervalued it um, out of the gate. I think that I I don't have... Again, you hit all the points. I I think the one thing I didn't think about when I first saw it is White wants to go big with Anthems, and that's not... That's not... That's almost more important to me than the killing the X2s. And I, I don't currently run Elish Norn, but I think I need to make space for it. I think when it came around or came to my eye, I try to stay away from it mostly because I didn't want to go with more seven drops. But I, I think that at this point, I still want to play cards like Increasing Devotion, uh, Lingering Soul, Spectre Possession. And that, that right there, I like it enough right there, not even the fact that it, can, it kind of beats the mirror matches of those as well. Well, and if you have a token deck, I know a lot of people's cubes are 
well, with the advent of more token cards in Magic, um, I think more cubes like uh, Cranny's Cube, uh, Kenny's Cube, I think has pushed tokens a little more recently. I think your increase, you know, a card like that increases significantly in value, both as a, an offensive weapon and as a defensive weapon. Agreed. Uh, just playing, just playing against Elish Norn. I, I mean, I remember playing it, you know, against it in, in the Wolf Run, you know, early standard of this format with uh, Wolf Run versus. Uh, the uh, the Esper decks like the uh, the Reanimator Esper decks and you you know you you shift and you you do all your bashing and you try to get there with your Primeval Titans and that doesn't work so you're like all right well let me just shift into Plan B and just kill them via poison and then they're like oh by the way Elishnorn good luck activating your Ink Moth Nexus yep, it's like uh, <laughs> they're suicidal now <laughs> they don't want to live oh wow like I'm like I'm flipping through random cards in my cube. And it's like Spike Shot Elder with Ellis Norn seems pretty stupid. Like Chameleon Colossus. <laughs> so many cards. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about that. That's awesome. I didn't either. I'm just like, I just took a chunk of cards I was leaping through. I'm like, Hero Bladehold. Pretty ridiculous. <laughs> or like yeah. the White Shrine, uh, Bane of the Living. Just, oh wow, Bane of the Living. Jeez. <laughs> All your guys are Unreal Dead. <laughs> Jeez. Unreal Dead. Yeah, and I think, like, ever since that whole thing, like, and I guess it kind of goes along the same point, you know, like, with the best-case, worst-case evaluation. And, you know, we did, have, we did an episode about best-case, worst-case mentality. There were some cards that I dismissed because I was just kind of going for the worst-case. Like, Searing Blaze, I thought was garbage for ages. I was like, I need landfall for this, and I might not even have targets for it. And, you know, I didn't want to play it. And I think, Kenny, you won me over, I think. I am a, I am one of the biggest Searing Blaze fans. I I can't actually stop talking about it. You probably shouldn't have brought same it Same here, yeah. same here. <laughs> that Love is why I brought up, actually. <laughs> Love that card. Does everything you want a red deck to do. Yeah. Get your guy out of the way. Oh, and by the way, take three in yeah. one card. It's basically two cards in one. Yeah, I like that card. I think Abyssal Persecutor were two cards I just really underrated because I kind of bought into the talking points of the worst case scenario. Just like they'll just count on everything, dude. Yeah, and it's and that just never happened. Just like the talking points are just like, well, they'll just counter everything. It never really happened, or like like they'll just lock it down with an icy manipulator again. That can happen, but how often does it? And the same thing with like Searing Blaze, like. They might not have targets, so they might have a Sphinx of Jawar Isle or something with Hexproof slash Shroud. Mm-hmm. Sure, that can happen, but, you know, how often... And I'll, I'll, again, I'll outsource this kind of re- I'll reference, Kenny. How often does that happen with Searing Blaze? How often are you like, man, I wish I had a target for this thing? That is a, a very rare thing. Like, I mean, every deck has some kind of creatures, man lands, tokens, and, like, just stuff to get in the way of your guys that are pushing into the red zone, and that card is just like, kill your guy, still progress my game plan by dealing damage to you. It's just, it's it's like the best thing ever. I will take it over every burn spell except for possibly Lightning Bolt and maybe like Blast from the Past, and even that, it's still very close. Like, Counting Goblin Guide as a burn spell, would you take it over that? That is, that is tough. Goblin Guide is is just unreal good. Like, I don't ever want to have to make that decision. I have before, but... Uh, <laughs> it's like asking me to choose between my children which one I love the most. <laughs> I love you all equally. I That's when you, you need the uh, the pick-two card that uh, Klug has. 
you know, where you can put it back in the pack and take an extra card out of the pack. Oh, nice. I remember the and like I remember uh, again outsourcing card evaluation, and that's probably what my next article is going to be about. Kind of outsourcing evaluation to other formats. Again, it has its limitations. It's you know, it's not like a hundred percent, but it's not like zero percent either. But I remember like I think Zayn Beg did a, I think he did a, like a report about some event that he you know he was in, and he was like piloting mono red, and his opponent was at like. And had like almost no creatures. I think it was one of those like, like Cobblade or something. And he was like, "Come on, come on, just play a creature." And then the opponent was like, "Wall of Omens." And then he was like, "Okay, my turn. Landfall, kill you." And was like, "Ah." No, I mean, I, I've definitely lost lost a, a game or two, like especially in constructed. I remember playing Mono Red Mirror at, back in like last standard season, and uh, my opponent only played Shrines. And I was stuck with like three searing blazes in my hand, but like it's in cube that almost never happens. Like people yeah. need creatures to win. But. Yeah, unless they have Jace three or something, you know, just some weird. Searing blaze. It's like one of the best ways to answer Jace three. It's yeah, that's true. <laughs> like it's so good. Kill that, kill you, or yeah. kill Jace. But I, I think that's one thing with those cards. I think. When I realized that those cards were good and eventually put them in my cube, one of those lessons that I learned was, like, I think it's it's also kind of, like, I don't know if I'd say inbreeding is quite the right term, but just kind of buying into talking points. You know, like, if you if you bought, like, I bought completely into the whole persecutor, they'll counter everything. But that didn't really match reality. Like, that's not how the card actually worked. And then realizing that there are these, you know, talking points which can apply to the cards, but... Do they? They really don't accurately describe the card, you know what I mean? I agree. No. <laughs> Anthony? All right. So, well, I, I, I mean, these are all, all these cards you're talking about, with the exception of, you know, Alashnor and, and Massacre Worm, which I still have not found a foil copy of. I mean, I've been running Olivia Voldaren and Abyssal Persecutor and Searing Blade since the beginning. So I've been one of those proponents of people are like, but you need Landfall. I'm like... Yeah, and you you actually this spell actually says lightning bolt their guy, lightning bolt your face. But instead of spending two cards to do it, you spend one card to do it. So I, I've been on both of those bandwagons for a while. So I don't not a whole heck of a lot to add. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I just had to give you trouble. Although I, I do have to I do have to say that I think uh, another card if we're if we're confessing cards that we probably missed. Uh, also, in that rug deck, I was playing constructed while while playing against Giralf's messenger and realizing that that might be pretty good. I had some dungeon geists in my sideboard, and uh, who oh, yeah. daddy is that card good? I recently picked up a foil one just in case, and I'm going to run it and try it, and I might have missed that one completely. Didn't you get it like right before uh, Honolulu? No, that was Huntmaster. No, I picked up a foil Huntmaster the Friday before Honolulu. <laughs> I think that's better. And I, I picked it up for like. Uh, basically 15 in trade, somewhere between 14 and 16 in trade, which was a good deal for me at the time anyway, and then, oops, the regular ones are now 30. Wow. So we, uh, yeah, we made out okay on that one uh, a little bit too. So, well, let's, you know, to go away from just single car topics, I don't know if, if uh, Tristan wants to, to chime in something. I know uh, 
are, are, he's got a little limited on time here. If you wanted to talk about, I, I think we should open the floor to him to give him a chance to, to mention something he's learned about you, whether it be specific cards or, or, or life what? things or, yeah. or whatever it might be. I think one of the biggest lessons that, I mean, was, you know, 99% of people play cube because they want to have fun. And they go to a PTQ, they go to states, regionals, whatever, because they want to win more than have fun. And transitioning, it's like, you know, when you learn how to play Magic, odds are you were doing it for fun. Sure. And when you cubed, odds are you were doing it for fun, unless you're trying to make some money on it, and that's a very small percentage of us. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Uh, so going beyond that, I think that a really good example recently was the Malira deck, where, you know, it's this combo, it's this very complicated thing. It's similar to a circumstance you can kind of get into playing uh, some cube matches. But uh, Juza in the GPs would often board into just a lot of value guys. Like, you wouldn't be reliant on the combo. You wouldn't be afraid of Graf Digger's Cage. And I think an extension of that is when people I knew looked at the deck and were like, yeah, hey, this, this kind of plays like a cube deck. It's like a lot of value creatures. you got... Rebel arcs, you've got murderous red caps, you've got kitchen things. It's like, you know, we, we play with these cards a lot. You, you win a lot of games just through grinding and the fact that your cards always have value. And, uh, you know, obviously, making it real simple and going back to stuff that we take for granted, it's like, well, obviously, you take the Necrotal in draft, and odds are you're going to take the Aether Adept in draft because these cards have built in value. But extending beyond that, you know, sure, that's a lesson you learn very early in playing Magic but in deck building and in playing games to kind of find those edges where it's like, sure, that Malira deck, it might have only gone off 33% of the times games two and three. And half that time might have been because of hate, half that time is because you played it differently and you played it like, all my guys have value, they're worth value. And that's a lesson that, for a lot of people I know, you learn through cubing a lot. Very good point. I think, you know, that was one of the decks. And there was another modern deck recently, uh, listening to the In Contention podcast, they talked about, um, one of Mary Jacobson's deck, and they look through it, and they're like, every single card in this deck is in the cube. How can this deck be that bad? Oh, that like, uh, zoo deck with like reckless charge or whatever. Right, right. They're like, man, all these all these cards are cube cards. Like, this has to be a good deck, right? Because you know what I mean. All, uh, you're just getting a, a lot of really solid cards, and I think that's a a related point to what you were just talking about. Is like, you know, there, there's a big school of thought, and, and you know, we argue with people this all the time of. If a card is good and constructed, or if a card is good and limited, does that make it a good cube card? And that you know, and we all agree that at least those who are reasonable agree that while it's not causation, there's obviously very heavy correlation. And uh, I, I think it's a, a similar kind of point is that we have all these super awesome like value cards, and I, I know for me personally, I gravitate towards uh, wanting to play cards I played in cube in my constructed decks. You know, outside of you know cutesy linears. Uh, I, I definitely gravitate uh, that way. Like, hey, I know how all these cards play, and I know what all these cards do, and I know that these cards are all good because I've I, I've had a chance to experience them. And that's the, the way I feel about the Malira deck. Is well, you do have all these create like these intricate combos that you can stumble into. In the meantime, you can just grind value out of people and win games. And I think like uh, I, I by the way chucked my phone again. By the, <laughs> two podcasts in a row when I'm throwing my phone. <laughs> but oh, that's I, right. Yep. And I think, like, uh, something kind of similar, I think, happened with uh, Olivia Voldaren, where people were kind of on the fence about it, and then they realized, wow, this card's insane in draft, 
And then I think, like, Pat Chapin, like, ported it over to, like, a Grixis control deck, and then was like, this deck is just stupid good in general. And yep. it was. Yeah, a- absolutely right. And, uh, like I said, the, I think definitely the, the causation and correlation thing is real strong uh, when, when it comes to, to that kind of action. And, and you know, for me, and, and this is something I, I'd actually like to ask Tristan and uh, Kenny on a, a related thing. A little while ago on Twitter, or I was having a conversation with uh, some people and, and asked, you know, I look upon my cube as, if I could describe it, it would be basically an interactive museum of magic. You know, it's got cards all throughout the history that every card in my cube has been prominently featured in either, uh, you know, ridiculous limited bombs or, you know, constructed important cards, which is why, for example, I keep basking Rootwalla in, even though ostensibly Twin Blade Slasher would be a better card. But what did Twin Blade Slasher ever do in the history of Magic, where Basking Ruwala has been featured now in, in two significantly different eras of highly successful constructed decks? So for me, I would rather have that to be able to look upon in the past. And, and I asked a bunch of people, I guess it was on Salvation and Twitter, like what they consider their cube to be as far as coming up with a, like a one-sentence definition. And, and I'm curious to hear what you guys, how you guys view your own cubes. I think it's an amalgamation. I think that um, the best examples for me are when you make a nostalgia choice purely on nostalgia. Uh, and for a really long time, I had this beautiful Beta Sheevan Dragon in my cube, and obviously Shards of Alara had been printed. Obviously Flame Blast Dragon gets the job done, and obviously I still want to see that Melissa Benson artwork every time I drafted, and one in 30 drafts it would hit the table, and one in 50 it would win the game, mostly through someone forcing it to happen. <laughs> and to me, and to me, it was like seeing that, and, and drafting it, and having the experience uh, of, just, of just kind of interacting with that card reminded me of my childhood and what got me into magic, and the things that I enjoyed so much about it, and when I first started getting really active in Cube, uh, a card like Sylvan Library, which is actually good, uh, was another kind of hit point for me where I was like, man, I loved this card when I was a kid. I love building decks with it, around it, trying to abuse it, just the inherent value of it. But I was like, you never get to draft it. You don't really even get to really play it in a deck. And at the time, it wasn't really even fringe legacy playable. It was just that this beautiful card that I owned that I had no real use for. And I wasn't into EDH and... I've never been into EDH, and those games, you rarely get to kind of have that same experience that you have when you draft. So that was where it started for me, and I think it's it's an amalgamation. Like, I run Basking Ruwala because I run Faithless Looting, I run Careful Study, I run Frantic Search, I, I run Survival of the Fittest. Like, I think it's a good card. I, I don't necessarily think Twin Blade Slasher is better. Um, but definitely finding that balance. And I've, you know, since subsequently taken out the Sheevan Dragon, uh, taken out the Vestman Doppelganger, I've taken out all these... Not all of, but most of these things that are purely there to remind me of how much I enjoyed the artwork in the game 15, 18 years ago. But I'll still make calls where, you know, let's say they go ahead and print a card that's strictly better than Basket Rolla, uh, or if Twinblade Slasher was collectively agreed to be a better card, I think I'd still, you know, run it if they're, it's like, oh, you know, 33% of the time it's gonna have a better effect than the guy that has Wither. Um, you know, we could really, you could blow somebody out with that effect one way or another, and it was good. I remember playing this card constructed. I remember when trading for a foil one was so hard. And that's really where I fall on it, which is not a one-sentence answer, but it is a one-breath answer, so it's as close as I can get. <laughs> I don't, I don't really... <laughs> yeah, and, you know, like I said, I don't particularly think that necessarily Twin Blade Slasher is better, but, you know, if you, you look at them both, you could make arguments that one way, but, like, you know, for me, like I said, 
What, you know, what has Twinblade Slasher ever done? Nothing. What is, you know, what has Basking Ruwala ever done? You know, well, plenty. <laughs> plenty. You know, and, and I like for people, I, I like for people young and old, you know, young and old. By old, I mean those of us who've been playing Magic since the old border. To be able to, you know, play cards and be like, hey, I remember playing this and this card was awesome, you know. Even through, unless, you know, things are just ridiculously outclassed, like the, the aforementioned Shiv and Dragon that is just on a power level, just kind of embarrassing compared to, to what we have now at the, the red six drop level, you know? So, all right, you guys, what do you think? Um, uh, I have two words to describe my cube. Roman Coliseum. So is you it like Charles Darwin, basically? Answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like like different archetypes essentially battling each other out. I think does one true. of them have the rope? Does one of them have, like, the uh, the rope net and trident? Yes. <laughs> and other, there's, a, there's an emperor who gives people thumbs down. Is that you? Are you yeah. the emperor? Oh, I'm totally the emperor. Okay. I'm, I'm a black metal band from Norway. There, there, there was, yeah, that, that one went over my head. There, there, was a, there was a black metal band from Norway called Emperor. I figured as much. Thanks for explaining. The 90s. And by the <laughs> way, like, I was leaping through some cards, and I kid you not, Masterworm and Keldon Champion were back to back. Oh man! Don't get me started on Keldon Champion. <laughs> <laughs> again, that's Got to keep, keep Kenny focused. But let's let's get his answer on what he thinks his cube is, and then we can uh, we can talk about how Keldon Champion has inspired Kenny's personal viewpoint on life <laughs> and LSVs. <laughs> no, uh, I mean my my cube is just just a collection of cards that I try to use to make. Good times happen. Like, I, I host cube drafts over at my apartment once or twice a week, and I just try to make it so that everybody's having fun and that they vary it up from week to week and that, you know, new things continually happen. I like for people to be surprised and to learn new interactions and just just have really good times. And I have a side note. Twinblade Slasher did do something. It ruined my first PT in Berlin because <laughs> the best. The Magic League deck for the for the Elf Combo deck had Twin Blade Slasher on them, and I thought that deck was terrible as a result. And instead of bringing those cards with me, I took I took Door in the Siege Tower, and I just got ran over that entire event. <laughs> like, like that that's what Twin Blade Slasher did for me. But in cube, that card is a fine a fine man. Yeah, it's all right. It gets the job done. Yeah, yeah I'm curious to see how uh, Wolf Walla is going to do. Oh, he's he's been pretty solid. So I haven't far. seen him in a draft yet. So, uh, Keldon Champion. <laughs> <laughs> he just kills people. That's, I, I mean, that's, that's all there is to it. Like, Echo is almost irrelevant. He's just fantastic. I mean, I don't understand people cutting him. I know four is a very precious slot on the curve, but me personally, I value him over Avalanche Riders and plenty of other cards, but I, I think he's just unbelievably good. So on Twitter, I always ask these stupid questions, like X versus Y, I guess because A, I you know, think of stupid crap like that. In terms of ball lightning variants, how would you guys rank Hellspark Elemental, Hellstunder, and Keldon Champion? Keldon Champion is a mile ahead of the rest of them. Agreed. Agree with that one, for sure. I'll jump on the uh, I think I think Hell, uh, Hellstunder is, is easily in the basement ashamed of himself the most. <laughs> and, uh, and Hellspark Elemental is uh, is a good middle ground. I think that you've done an excellent job evaluating these cards. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Next. Man, I'm going to go on my Twitter and find stupid other questions I've asked. 
Remember that time? Remember that time they printed Lingering Souls and Hell's Thunder just got a little little bit more sad and existed. Oh well, I haven't seen I haven't seen that happen, but yeah, I would guess the Hell's Thunder would just cry. That's probably because you don't run Hell's Thunder in your cube, or at least I hope you don't. Nah. No, sir. Well, <laughs> sir. Um, you have a little more space in your cube to be. I better. do. I do. I have a larger cube, so. I mean, yeah. you you know you have a solid two hundred more cards than I do, so I mean. Yeah. No, I, I, I might squeeze some more of those red hasty guys in there if, if I had some more room to play with, you know. I, I have the Rolls Royce of room. I have like 675 cards. I'm gonna go near Hell's Thunder with a 10 foot pole. Was it kind of near like 750 50, or 770? Yeah. Okay. 750. Um, nice. Yeah, it's 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 pretty large. I I just like too many magic cards. Exactly. I love well, variants. That's, love that's why I went from uh, 450 to 540 or whatever. It's just like. Way too many good cards got printed. Like when Zendikar came out, I'm like, "What am I supposed to do with all these Zendikars? Like, all these cards are way awesome. Like, I have to get them in there." So I wound up just expanding, and, and I've you know been trying to hold hold strong since then. But yeah, the, I'm not a big fan of the, the the 360s, the 180s. I mean, I understand if you're only you know Winston drafting with it most of the time, which I know a lot of people do. So that's a, a wide enough card pool for two to four mans all the time. But I really love me an eight man. And yep. uh, you, you definitely need a, a healthy amount of cards to get the variance there. So, like, I cut my common cube from 450 cards to 400, and I think part of me died. I was yeah. like, oh, jeez, what the hell? <laughs> like, what is this? It's got to be tough. Yeah, it, it was. Like, I can't, like, we do, we usually do back to back eight mans or back to back six mans, and like, it's not like we don't want to shuffle the cube back to, back up. We want yeah. to play with all new cards, so that's why my cube is so big. <laughs> yeah, sh- how shuffling? How uh, ha- uh, Kenny? By the way, did uh, has cube like when you were playing the aggro battle of wits and you had to like shuffle a ton? Did having a cube like make you better at shuffling like a huge quantity of cards? Uh, <laughs> it it, it might have helped. I used to play the the five color format a lot, and that was also two hundred and fifty cards. So oh, like, oh god. But yeah, like I mean, I, you just have to when you're doing that battle of wits kind of deck. Like every single moment, you are shuffling furiously. Like it's 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 actual work. Like your hands are hurting, and you you just can't waste time because you're running forty fetches, and like you have to shuffle like like all the time. It's yeah, to make sure you don't like excessively take up too much of the of the round time. Like it's just you got to be on top of it. You can't think your decisions through very quick, very much. So I have to play a deck that I'm very very familiar with, which is aggro. I mean, like I mean, there's still decisions to it, but I, a lot of them I can just kind of like, you know, go through the motions because I've I've done this before with these cards in cube a lot and other constructed decks. So I can just I don't have to think a lot, so I can be shuffling a lot of shuffling. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that, that's Kenny's lesson that he learned. What the cube taught me was to have very masculine hands to be able to keep shuffling. Because <laughs> I got to do it every day, or so I've heard on the radio. <laughs> if there's one thing the cube has taught me, it's make sure your mana does not suck. Yeah. There is uh, drafting, having lands uh, enough lands in your cube that fix mana. Uh, just being able to cast your spells in a timely fashion. Um, I win more cube games by actually just being able to cast my spells in the correct order at the correct time instead of waiting around for mana because, you know, I'm high-picking fetch lands and, and uh, dual lands and things like that, or other people are passing them and I'm, you know, picking up fetch lands 
for my deck, fifth and sixth and seventh pick. Uh, probably win more games from just not ever getting color screwed than any necessarily great amount of skill. And this is something I've really carried over in the constructed. You know, it wasn't really something I, I thought about a whole lot when building decks. You know, for a large portion of my life, it was just like grab X number of mountains and X number of forests and whatever red green lands there are and throw them together. But now we have, you know, especially today's standard, we have so many different ways to construct mana bases, you know, between, and, and thank God we got Evolving Wilds, by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, but there's so many different ways of, well, how many of this land can I afford to play? Because, you know, we have, M, we have, you know, the M10 duels, we have the Shards lands, we have the enemy M10 duels, basically. We have all, all these things going on, and, and it... Cubas really taught me how to make my mana bases work well and work correctly. And I just can't get the point enough across to people. Much as Kenny rants about his red cards, I rant all the time about when, when people you know say things like, I'm cutting down the number of lands in my 500-card cube to 40 because I don't I hate opening packs with more than one land in it. And it's just like, ah, what are you doing? <laughs> Lands Those are the best. Have not a lot of magic. Spells are exciting. Lands are not exciting. Uh, I don't fault. I don't fault them for that viewpoint. I think it's something you learn with time. And uh, I think that if you were to make a, a cube, quote unquote, although this is a, a little bit of different of example, if you were to take two hundred of the, you know, if you could make a list, you could have a committee appointed to to put together a list of the two hundred best non basic lands in all of Magic, and then. Uh, maybe ones that didn't have spell effects. I don't know. This is, this is this idea is pretty out there. But just take those and then randomly insert 500 magic cards from all of magic into a draft, and then you drafted that. Like, that would be an interesting experience. And your evaluating those cards would be pretty dependent on what lands you had. I, I think that is an example of, of, a, of one way lands go a very long way in your cube. And I, I think for me, with your guys' experience, I'd let me know. But cutting a land. Changing a land is very, very painful and very, very difficult. Oh, and yeah. so many of them take up so much room with all the different things they do. At no point can I just be like, oh, yes, I don't need this. Uh, I, I think in my last update, I wanted to, to try to fit in some of the green activated ability lands that we've seen from Innistrad Block, and I cut Vivid Grove. And it took me, like, a week to talk myself up into doing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, now that I have done it, I haven't had too many results one way or the other with it, but it's just so hard to cut a land. Yeah, yeah, it, it is super, super difficult to do it. And any excuse for me to add lands, and I'm perfectly okay with it. You know, I, for by by uh, kismet, it just so happens that my land section is as big as my color sections right now. But for the longest time, I, you know, basically my land section has been a similar size for a while, even when my cube was 450. When it expanded to 540, my land size about stayed the same. And it, it doesn't really take much for me to want to add lands to my cube. I, I find that some things were getting a little too out of control uh, when I was running, for example, the Shadowmore Eventide set of Filterlands. Um, I found that either between those and like the Vivids and things like that, the five-color decks got a little too popular. So I wound up trimming those back and putting more, you know, spell effects attached to lands, you know, man lands and and Sheldock Isles and things like that, lands that double as spells. But it's if there's one thing that I learned that I keep trying to push on uh, on people who are less experienced is trust in it. Draft the lands you need, and everything else will just work so much better. Um, you know, when you'll watch me, 
I remember one draft in particular I was drafting with a, a different play group than I usually play with. Um, I was up in Philadelphia, and I was getting, you know, I was, you know, opening packs with two fetch lands in them when I was a three-color deck, you know, passing one and, and, and tabling it at an A-man. And I wound up just destroying everybody because I was, you know, able to cast black spell on turn one, double white spell on turn two, another double black spell on turn three. And it was just like I'm just able to cast whatever I want to whenever I need to. And, and, and that goes so far, and I wish I could somehow infuse my experiences to everybody else out there and, and learn that. Unfortunately, if I did that, that means that it would be a lot harder for me to get all the lands in my cube decks that I want. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I'm very passionate about lands, and I, I, I'm, I'm not exactly, you know, Adam Prozac level of, of loving lands, but I'm uh, pretty close. I have, I have a guy in my normal play group that pretty much he just drafts five-color dragons, as we, as we joke it, and he'll take <laughs> all the non-basics and then eventually find, find cards that cost six mana or more to win the game with yeah, that that works. Now, see, in our cube, or I should say in my cube, I have uh, the, the nice little reward if you draft five color. That uh, probably the you know the the one pet card above all pet cards that uh, I consider to be an Xbox achievement. You know, you get a little trophy. I, I kind of want kind of want to start a, a Facebook group. You know, there's the I died to progenitus Facebook group. I kind of want to start the I I got the door of nothingness slammed on me group from my Ugh. from my cube. Oh, uh, there's nothing more humiliating. <laughs> yeah, I haven't I been the victim of that yet. <laughs> it's it's a big event. Much like uh, last time we talked with Tristan, uh, we talked about Chaos uh, Warp being a, a big uh, crowd getter. Oh, you know, right. whenever you cast Chaos Warp, it's and, and this has held true. You know, ever since then, is whenever you cast Chaos Warp, it it shuts everything down around you, so you can watch and see what happens. <laughs> Shut down the plant, boys. Right. It's like, whoa, 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 we got to see what's going on. You know, and uh, I feel, you know, door to nothingness, when, when you have a deck that can play it, it's like, door, pass. Everything, you know, the tumbleweed blows by, you know, the eyes and the, the trigger fingers itch to see what's going to happen next. Uh, I like I have, that. And I have a friend, Eric McCormick, who is a, uh, I don't know if he does much stuff on Monday Night Magic anymore. I, used, I know it used to back in the day. But in his QB, he has a, uh, What's that card? Chaos Orb? But there's none of the errata or whatever. It's you gotta flip a card, you know, actually flip it. And it has that same kind of effect where everybody's like, uh oh, let's see what this hits. Right. And, and what's, and what's, I'm not sure what's more fun than that. Like, you know, in this game we call, you know, that we've all taken so much time and, and, and effort and, uh, affection to, what's more fun than stopping your game so you can watch what happens in somebody else's? I'm not sure what that is, you know, other than, you know, when we're talking about quote-unquote casual magic and not, you know, hey, a friend of mine just finished second at the Invitational, so I want to watch where it's in the finals. I mean, that's very exciting, but as far as casual stuff goes, what's more exciting than something happened that when you decide to stop your own game so you can watch what's going on? Yeah. I am very I, I think there's something special about that. I'm very guilty of, like, even in when I'm playing a match, just, like, looking at other matches... Like, when I'm playing for funsies, and just, like, you know, definitely when something like that happens, I'm like, okay, hold on. <laughs> Gotta see what's going on here. Right, or when someone booster tutors. Oh, it's like, oh man. Booster tutor is the best. Oh, man. What's gonna happen? And then, you know, the first 14 cards suck, and then the, the 15th card's like, and it chased the mind sculptor. It's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. 
or, or crafting those ways. And this is another reason why I really like Mind Slaver. Mind Slaver for me will never come out of the cube. To me, it's one of the. It's such a great skill testing card. That's while still good, it's a different kind of skill testing. Like, man, how much can I make my opponent's life miserable with this? And that's another card I really enjoy watching other people play because it's one of those things too where you know you you watch other people's games and we all do this. We watch other people's games and we're like, oh, you know, we always kind of think about what we would do. Thinking about what to do with Mind Slaver to people's turns is oh. even more fun. You know, and and here and you'll you'll get you know four four people will be watching the game. You know, there'll be the guy playing Mind Slaver, the guy getting Mind Slavered, and you and your opponent, and the four of you all have completely different methods of what you would have done with their turn. And, and I think that's wonderful. Yeah, like how people would, how different people would approach the same puzzle. Right. It's like Magic the Puzzling or whatever. You know, I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't know if you guys are. Oh, I remember that. Oh, as are old enough to remember of course, the, the of magazine and stuff like that. Morrow, I did, didn't Morrow do those? Yeah, and I think for a while uh, someone tried to do them on Star City in the early days of its uh, creation. Someone tried to do like puzzling type things, and you know those are really good, you know, exercises uh, of what to do. But I think I feel like Mind Slaver is the same way, and the fact that you know that's another reason why I love my my Tron deck. You know, similar to what Luis has been playing. Uh, been you know playing in modern tournaments here. Unfortunately, keep missing PTQs from other they, commitments. But they just like miss a fifty-person one. Yeah, there was just a fifty-man PTQ here on Saturday and had to miss it because I had a gig that night. Just, uh, working musician plus weekend magic, not exactly a good combination. But yeah, there's like a fifty-person PTQ on Saturday I had to miss. There's going to be another very small one likely this coming Saturday at a somewhat smallish store here in Georgia. And just having to miss those when playing, you know, it's the first constructed format in a long time that I actually feel prepared for. And I get to mind slaver people. Nice. Ah, no better feeling than, like, mind slavering them. And, you you know, it's just like, all right, boys, let's get to work. Let's see what we can do. Especially when you get to do things like, I'll mind slaver you, and during your turn, I'm going to cast Gifts Ungiven. <laughs> I've done it where, uh... Or, mind, or Factor Fiction's a nice one in Cube to run with mind slaver as well. Yeah, I've done that, and I've given the opponent, you know, done the 5-0 split. Yeah, yep. five, yep. Yes. <laughs> I just can't decide, so you can have them all. Why, thank yep. you, me. That's so <laughs> nice of you. So nice of you to do that. Most but, yeah, you know, the, the Tron deck, you know, not only do you get to run that, but you also, you also get to, you get you average the highest number of judge calls per tournament. <laughs> what? Because, yeah, because this is what you're, like, gifts given, and they're like, okay, and you're like, Umburial writes Alashnorn, these two. And they're like, you have to pick four. And you're like, no, you don't. Yeah, <laughs> read the card. I actually had a guy call a judge three times in the same match on the same ruling. What? Because he just, like, didn't like, like didn't believe him, like, multiple times. Did it once, killed him with it. Did it again later on in the, in the next game. He's like, wait, I just want to check. And, like, did it again in the same game. He's like, okay, wait, I need to check again. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, I'm like, cool. if you like, I can show you Morrow's tweet talking about it. Uh. <laughs> or uh, Aaron Forsythe's tweet talking about it. Like, maybe we should change the Oracle text to search for up to four. But it's like, no, well, it's hidden information. I can't. I, you, there's no way for you to know that I have four different cards. You know, maybe my whole deck is all Unburial Rites and Aleshnorns. I don't, you know. That's a different kind of judge call. Speaking <laughs> of awkward uh, interactions, that whole dueling consecrated sphinx at the GP. That was awkward. Oh, by the way, I've dealt with that in a Splinter Twin mirror in uh, Standard. Not fun. Ew. Not fun. 
Ew. Anyway, go ahead. Awkward oh. situations. That was about it. So yeah. I thought you had more to say on it than that. No, that was it, really. Just that's a really <laughs> that's, an awkward, that's an awkward interaction. By the way, uh, Primeval Titan and Frost Titan were two other cards that I initially did not like for Cube, and then eventually came back on. Oh, and Jinx Choker, because I was looking through my cards and saw that, and oh, OMG, love Jinx Choker. Cricket. I think all three of them are fantastic. That's a card. Jinx Choker is a card. Sure. <laughs> it certainly is a card. I had a friend who used to collect them. You know, <laughs> a friend, yeah, you can print and collect a Jinx Choker. A friend who collected obst- uh, Obstinate Familiars. Someone connected, collected uh, Timor and Lumias. Timon and Pumba. Right, right, like, right. Like, if, L- if LSV is into the red deck and that, that card isn't in a cube, that card, like, it's right under or equal to Sulfuric Vortex and power in that effect. Like, it is it is something that the red deck wants, but it goes in every deck that attacks for, you know, two. Yeah. Like, it's it's very, very underrated and very good. Yeah, and I was, I remember, again, it was, I guess, kind of similar thing where, you know, people were saying, oh, you can just reverse it. You know, just these talking points saying, like, oh, well, they can just take off counters or they can just kill it or something. It's like, sure, when you're getting attacked for, like, five and then you're just having this additional pressure, it's like, sure, I'll, I'm in this luxurious position where I can just remove counters. No, that's not how it works. This just puts a lot of pressure. And I put in my queue pretty recently. I think, Kenny, I think we were talking about it. I think I just randomly asked you. I was like, hey, how's, I think it was like, How's Jinx Choker working in your cube? You were like, amazing. And then told me about it. I'm like, sold. I'll try. It, was, it wasn't actually my initial idea. I remember uh, Keith uh, McLaughlin, a uh, Florida Magic player, he's only recently started posting on, like, the Salvation boards about cube. But I remember... Yeah, he's, he's, I, I like that guy. He's, he's been posting his stuff, by the way. Like, I've, I've known him for, like, like a little bit, for, for, like, a year or two, and, like, on his Facebook post, he was talking about a cube draft, like, a year ago or something, he was talking about Jinx Choker, and so I added it to my cube, and for a long time, it wasn't very adopted, nobody was really playing it, because it's not very attractive art, and it's not a very exciting card, but then we just started forcing it in our aggro decks, mostly me, and, like, nice. it started to catch on, and, uh, it really, really does work, yeah, and I found that I, I've only seen it happen in one draft so far, but when it did, oh, man, it just, it did work. It's like, sure, take five, take seven. Okay, now you're dead. Thanks. Yeah, I think that was another card that really, I think, and I think that's another thing, I think, in terms of lesson learning, just keeping your, keeping an open mind for new cards, you know, just like, I think, you know, eventually, I think at first I was really down on, say, uh, Frosty and Primeval Titan, I was like, well, what's Primeval Titan going to do on turn six? Like, it's not going to accelerate you, and what lands do you want? Like, library sucks. But even just, like, getting man lands for value, you know, or just ever since, like, I've been running it for, I don't know how long, maybe six months or so, I think. I don't know, it's maybe not that long, maybe three. But, you know, eventually I found out, especially with Frost Titan, I remember everybody was down about that card at first. It's like, well, they can just kill it, and it won't do anything. Again, Sure. Well, even in Constructed, I mean, Frost Titan was one of the last Titans to, to get any sort of attention. Yeah, he was kind of like the ugly baby, I guess, of the... I guess he was the, the afterthought, you know what I mean? Like, afterthought, by the way, not, not afterbirth. Um, <laughs> you know, everyone's just like, oh, obviously Inferno Titan's insane, and Grave Titan's awesome. And then after, you know, a, a little period of time, you know, Primeval Titan didn't take very long to go from a few dollars to... 
you know, what at the time was easily the most expensive one because of the delicate interactions. Um, and then Frost Titan, you know, and even Sun Titan, I think, got some more attention. Frost Titan was, was pulling up the rear there for a long time until it uh, came across. The, the funny thing is, where's Frost Titan right now on Constructed? Yeah, I actually looked up the price on it. It's like a dollar fifty. I mean, and I think you would know. You, I mean, I'm guessing you'd know a lot better. But uh, those guys, it's hard for them to drop below a couple dollars. But uh, I, I think it's funny that in the history of the Titans, they've all gone through momentous swings as far as their percentage and price value. You know, Primeval was twenty. He was thirty. Valakut's going to rotate out of standard. He's worth ten. Uh, you know, Inferno Titan was eight. It was down to like three dollars. It's a four of in these ramp decks over different times. It goes up to like ten, back down. Uh, Frost Titan had probably the well, no, he had a pretty good size of range. I mean, Frost Titan was like three bucks, and then right around uh, Worlds last year, it was uh, you know it, it was in some decks, got up to like fifteen for a blink of an eye, and then came back down. And Sun Titan was in that similar boat as soon as people were like, Phantasmal Image, I'm Burial Rites, <laughs> look at all the Sun Titans, yay! Here's my army of six sixes. And yeah, I think so. it's a really interesting cycle. It's like, had these little ebbs and waves and, like, Frost Titan. Like, when the Titans were really popular, then, like, Frost Titan was the one that kept him in check. I don't know, I, I thought that was really interesting. Like, the whole, like, and I, from my understanding, they're going out in M13, so... I, I can't have two years of those guys are plenty, and I think that it's time for people to play with other magic cards at this point. Now that they've all kind of seen their moment, and there's even the Worm Coil engine out there. I, I, I think at six mana, people playing a threat in standard for the last year and a half have been very strong. And it might be time to move away from that and do something else. Well, the, you know, let's face it. The fact that Baneslayer Angel, I mean, Pro Tour winning card in, in an older format... Possibly one of the most absurd creature to power ratios of just all the things it, it does and how miserable it makes life for aggressive decks. It does, it does two things. Don't lie. It does two things. I mean, it is. It has protection from demons and dragons. Which, by the way, the fact that Halo Hunter can't kill Baneslayer Angel kills yeah, me. I know. Right. Hey, what is that necessary was, extra kick in the jug? Right? Was, I mean, uh, that was such a fail. Right, like, you know, you know, that's funny, you can have protection from demons and dragons, but Halo Hunter is a, oh, I don't know, a beast. A, 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 you know, something else. Come on, I mean, the dude's got halos. Dude's carrying halos around, you know, that he's collected, and, oh, yeah, but the only one it actually can't kill is the only one that matters. Yeah, make him an assassin or something like Big Game Hunter, like a human. Right. Make him a rebel, too. Why not? Who cares? Right. I mean, but the fact that, you know, Baneslayer Angel had this meteoric rise and was on top, and then they're like, oh, by the way, here are these Titans. What ha- Baneslayer Angel gone. Yeah. I mean, out of the format, you know, out of people's thoughts, out of people's decks, out of the format, you know, that quickly. I think it would be real nice not to have the Titans around for a little while at least, you know. I mean, look at what the, the lack of Lightning Bolt has done to the format. I mean, used to be, like, literally you, you couldn't ever plan on a, an individual creature with three or t- toughness or less living for an extra turn or two. Because every single deck was floating lightning bolts. Well, Anyone like, that could light, possibly red. Well, it was like with lightning bolt and Jace, and it was like it has to pass the lightning bolt test and the and the Jace test, and all this is like, oh well, huh? What do I do now? I mean, even Jace saw a big bump once Jun left the format. Oh yeah. Because you know, people would be like, here's my Jace. 
on turn four. Like, ha, here's Jace. Uh, I'll brainstorm. And you're like, cool. Fly Bright Elf into Blightning. Three damage to that. Discard two cards. and uh, Yeah. (laughs) Nice Jace idiot, basically. (laughs) Or like, hey, Bloodbraid into this. Nailstorm Pulse. Oh, cool. Kill your guy. Bash your Jace. It's dead. Like, Blightning was always the big dagger, because it's like, hey, you know that extra so card you to, to to Yeah, to try to draw this conversation more into cube, of you guys, <laughs> how many of the Titans do you each currently run, and how many did you run when they were first printed? When they were first printed, uh, just the Oros ones, now all five. Well, One answer um, down, two to go. All right, um, I ran, I initially added the first four, and then, like, really quickly, I think Evan Irwin like, put out, a, like, a tweet or a Facebook message or something about how somebody in R&D was, or somebody he knew was praising Frost Titan a lot and said it was highly undervalued, and so I shoved it right in there, like, a day or two after the others, like, and I never looked back. I think it might have been Lapilly, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I actually, uh, I'm going to be the dissenter here. I actually only continue to still run the uh, red, red, black, white. I, now, you're not the minority here. I also do the same. I feel like Frost Titan, while obviously very good, there, I only have so much room for six mana finishers. And while he is l- maybe at this point better than Kaiga the Tide Star, Kaiga maintains a little more nostalgia importance to me, um, as well as you know Morphling Maloku, you know Consecrated Sphinx. I'd rather have I, I, Sphinx of Dwar Isle. As boring as he is, I, I feel like he's like the perfect, the prototype finisher tap-out finisher, and there's... I, I don't want a ton of those guys in, so th- that's why I'm not running him currently. And I'm just not that... Ex- you know, I, I know having played with Primeval Titan and constructed a lot recently, and I know it's like drawing two cards a turn, but I just... Uh, I, I don't know. I'm having trouble including him. Fair enough. Because I, I feel you are on the... Decks, just... Uh, in constructive decks, I, I, can get, I know I have Wolf Runs. I know I have Inkmoth Nexus. I have all these targets that I know I have to go get, even if I draw one or two of them. But I don't know in that many of my cube decks, do I have a bunch of... I always have some lands, but do I have enough of those kind of lands to make it worthwhile to be able to search for them? I, I don't I, know I the answer the list, to that. The list of lands that are so good... Uh, are very few in cube. I mean, sure, you can get your Maze of it. Sure, you can get your Bullrass Stronghold. Sure, you can get your Library of Alexandria on turn seven when you have two cards in hand. Those oh, are all things that it, it's it's <laughs> kind it's kind of like that. But but you like a good way to also relate to him is like he's like a Marari's Wake that's a six six trampler. Like he has that kind of effect on the board. Like like he just he doesn't quite double your mana. But, I mean, he will, given enough time, but, like, he also can tutor up those utility lands that you mentioned that you ne- can't necessarily count on. But, I mean, if you, you include enough Sheldock Isles and such in your in your cube or Academy Ruins or, you know, whatever, Treetop Village, Raging Ravine, the list goes on, then, like, you should be able to pick them up if you pick up Primeval Titan, like, given, you know, you get it early enough in the draft. And the fact that he, like, doubles your mana almost, like, it just, it feels like such a, an advantage. Like, I, he's, he's been really good, but I can understand not being very excited due to the fact that, like, you have to have specific lands to, to break him in half. It's, I think you've, I think you're reading my mind, because I was going to say, like, if the only lands I have in a deck... Are, for example, if the only 
lands that I have the tutor for with Primal Titan are, say, uh, Treetop Village and Raging Ravine, Snap include uh, Primeval Titan in that deck. No questions. Because, like, those two lands are just very good on their own. Even just tutoring those are fine. But, like, even just, like, obviously getting, like, I think that was one of the arguments I were hearing, too, is, like, with Library, like, that sucks. I'm like, I, I'm not getting Library. Why would I get that? That card's awful on, turn, on whatever turn six. But just even getting, like, Balanced Lands is fine. Even getting, like, if you have to use that as a Miser's Fixer, it's not the worst thing, but mainly just for utility lands, and it's harder to get. You know, it's kind of like what's... I don't know if I'd say, like, Stoneforge, where, you know, like, Stone in Construct, it's very easy to just build a Stoneforge deck. It's just like, sure, Stoneforge, Batterskull, GTA, Fire and Ice, go. Whereas in Cube, you can't necessarily rely on that as easily, but it still happens a good amount of time. I, I feel like when I put it in my Cube, I think I found people tend to play with Primeval Titan more than they should. I think they just do it because it's like a safe, big finisher. Like, it's just a six-mana guy. They'll just put it in when they probably shouldn't. But it's still a very good card. Like, if you get... Again, like Kenny said, if you get, say, four utility lands, or even three, or like I said, even uh, Treetop, Raging Ravine, sure, I'll include it. Like, if I get uh, Wasteland, uh, Wasteland Tech Edge, and, I don't know, Mutable, sure. Why not? Extra value. Extra yeah, value. I feel like, though, it's, it's kind of hard to have that many of those kinds of lands in the, in the same deck, though. You will. And, and, you, and you already have, you know, you already have, have not already have them in play, which is, which is what's keeping me away from including it, is that until I experience it myself, much like I was going to chime in about Jinx Choker earlier, I, I think I'm going to have to experience something like that in order for me to then want to include it. I, I Unfortunately, I just, I'm a little... Too stubborn, and maybe I haven't learned my lessons well enough. But uh, <laughs> the no, teacher not terrible. learning his lessons. There's, there's only so many spots in your cube, and like each one of them is probably like you have a very personal reason for the card being what it is. So like changing changing cards, like you you have to have an incentive to do so. So like you would have to have certain experiences with Titan or Choker, and I, and I get that. Like it's and I think on this kind of on this kind of riff, I think. Another one of these lessons that I learned is, like, when you're in doubt on a card, try it out. Like, even if you, like, one of the things I've been doing, like, when doing set reviews for Star City, like, one of the things I'll do is just try it out in a shell. Like, is a Garal's Messenger going to be any good? And then try it out in, like, a black-white shell. And it worked. And I was like, yeah, this card's good. I like it. I mean, granted, that doesn't address the whole opportunity cost. I mean, just because a card is good, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's better than something else. Like, if I try or if I try Geralt's Messenger in a deck and it's good, that doesn't necessarily say that it's better than, like, say, I don't know, Abyssal Persecutor or Sewer Nemesis or something. It just says that the card is good, but it at least helps flesh out some of that, some of that uncertainty. It's like, well, yeah. It you know hey, you know again I think there's you know there's limitations to that as well like being way too rotty like I think the first time I tested sulfuric vortex you know it was versus like a blue deck and then right after playing sulfuric vortex the opponent went Vandillion click kill you you know via racing you know and then I it was like okay this maybe sulfuric vortex isn't good but that was just a really bad sample size it was like one. And that's a terrible sample size. Any 
you know, social scientists would tell you that, you know, just like a one sample size is terrible. All it takes is one time to break your heart each month. My heart was broken by that bazillion click. <laughs> That's all it takes is one time. What? I can't do it anymore. I'm so sorry. But I, I, think, I, like, I think testing of the cards or at least trying it out in a different, like, in certain spells, like, the archetype where you expect it to happen, like, testing Primeval Titan in place of, like... Terastodon, which, yeah. I'm, which I'm on the verge of getting rid of. Yeah. But, you know... Yeah. And perhaps that's something I will do. I, I could see myself, because right now, you know, I'm just not seeing foil primeval titans anywhere. I, h- however, I expect that they will, that they will, they might surface fairly soon after uh, M13 is announced. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> they might start floating to the surface again as people try to uh, to get rid of them. Try to liquidate. Right. Abandon ship. Although, I don't know, right. like, it's, if it's, if it's a if big, it's a big card, EDH card, right, I might just be in trouble. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, foil Thoran Dynamos are 30 bucks. Yeah, you know, going going back to our original conversation about theft, you know, the as excited as I am about, you know, what the EDH and Legacy Boom did for my, my cube value, it's also kind of frightening at the same time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was just... Like, I, I kind of stumbled into some of my value cards for cube. Like, I got a foil or a, a Japanese Kira Great Glass Spinner from a dollar box. Ooh. And, yeah, now it's worth, like, what, 20? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. I just... Just stumbled into it. It's like, oh, like a friend saw in a dollar box. He's like, hey, uh, do you need one of these for your cube? I was like, yeah. By the way, Kira is really good in cube as well. <laughs> just saying. Yeah, Kira yeah, is just pretty solid. Pretty oh, man. Oh. Primeval Titans are so. I didn't realize Primeval Titans were as expensive as they were right now. How much? Man. They're all in the. They're, all the prices I'm seeing are in the 20 plus dollar range. Huh. I had no idea they were that much. Jeez. Just for a while there, they uh, they were pretty low, be pretty low again soon. All right, so well, anybody else want to want to chime in with other things? I mean, obviously, you know, we should definitely mention the fact that um, I, I think Cube has, for me has taught me basically how to have fun with the actual game again. Um, I, I know for me, you know, I went to the part when I really started enjoying Magic was when I became a a more competitive person and going to tournaments and top eighting PTQs and winning PTQs and, and doing things like that. And I think uh, Cube has really gotten me back to my roots of having fun. Tristan mentioned that earlier of just that's kind of where we start and this is where – and that it returns us to that point. And, and for me, that's what enables me to have fun at Magic tournaments. It used to be miserable. I mean, chime in if you agree with me. How miserable was going 0-2 at a PTQ before you had your Cube? The worst. Now I think now, now it's just like, well, man, I owe to, I did it. Who wants the cube? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the 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 object is to go, you know, X and O or O and X. You know, either way, I'm coming out way ahead. I get the cube all day while everyone's being miserable, losing in their last round and finishing thirty third at Ugh. a Star City Open. While you know, I get the cube all day. What's up now, suckers? Yeah, yeah like, like that actually happened this weekend. Like, I lost my uh, winning in for day two of the GP, and I was like, ah, oh, kind of sad, but I lost to a friend. But I was like, what am I going to do tomorrow? Oh, I guess I'm going to cube. So the first thing we do when we get to the hall is we uh, get Klug's comment on common cube. We lay the whole thing out, and we just team rotisserie draft that thing. Oh, and it was, wow. And it was awesome. Like, 
like, it was so much fun. Like, me and Parnell were on the same team, and we were like, we unfortunately, eight-man teams, somehow you always go eight and eight, no matter what you do. But you can never get a decisive winner, it seems like. But it was just, it was a ton of fun. And, like, I was like, i sure I lost in the GP, but... You know, I had fun, and like I don't, I don't feel like I missed out on anything. Like it was, it was a great time, and that's just what Cube does for me. Makes events awesome, no matter what happens. Right, win or lose, you win by cubing. I remember the uh, the Richmond Invitational, having not seen magicians, uh, fellow Ohio portion of their life area magicians Kyle Bodie and Cedric Phillips. You know, we we got knocked out of the tournament, and it just became twenty four seven cubing. You know, like to where we were, you know, in random hotel lobby across from the event at night until they like kicked us out, and then we moved somewhere else, and and it just became, it was just such a great, ex- fun experience. Even though we didn't win any money at the tournament, it didn't matter. We we won having an awesome time, and I don't know if that would have happened before Cube. Yeah, like there probably would have been booster drafting and you know and, and trading and stuff like that, but I, I I don't think that's the same as Cube. Maybe that's just me. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, uh, I have to leave. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, I think maybe the third time I'm on your show, I'll actually say from front to end. <laughs> hey, man. Well, we appreciate any time you get to spend with us. I'll take a whole day off of work, take two hours to talk about Standard and Bloodbraid Elf and all those other things. Uh, but, you know, keep up the good work. I, I love your guys' podcast. Um, I need to need to RSS feed myself a lot of things because I'm on planes a lot these days, and I haven't I, – I have to – be honest, I haven't heard all of your shows recently, so the inside jokes are, uh, you know, missing me on some of them. But uh, again, love it, and I don't know when we'll all get a chance to play Magic together, but I'd like to make sure that happens sometime in 2012. Yeah, that would be outstanding. I, at least I was looking, you know, at the possibility of, of going to uh, Star City, uh, Phoenix, but I don't know necessarily that's going to happen. But obviously, with the internet now, we can all keep in touch and. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time and, and hanging out with us. We all, you know, very much enjoy you know what you're doing over at Channel, Channel Fireball, and you know it pr- provides a a nice unique look of that difference, and which I feel about Cube as well. It's a, it's that great nook between competitive but having fun, and, and I, I feel like the, you know a lot of the the top you know the the top eight lists that you guys do are a great link between that because we get to see. You know, guys like El, you know, Luis Scott Vargas, who's very a competitive person, but obviously just has a love for the game, and you guys get to joke around ab- about it. And Tristan, why don't you real quick before you want you go ahead and plug yourself some before uh, before you get out? I mean, here. you were doing a fine job. I didn't need to step in, but I guess I can. <laughs> I, I I will say that um, you know, I'll give you guys a little bit more of a teaser. Uh, I think I already gave you guys quite a very good exclusive for your show, but I'll go a little bit further. I will say that uh, in 2012, there will be a Channel Fireball relaunch, and that at that time, we're going to try to appeal to a broader audience. And, like, right now, I think a lot of people just kind of view us as the serious tournament website. Uh, sure, you can get a few financial articles. Sure, you can get, you know, every once in a while, I guess, something that isn't a competitive report or a competitive look at something. And right now, those top eight lists are a good example. But we want to do a lot more. Uh, obviously, with my love of Q, I want to spearhead. Uh, more casual formats. I think the day that Luis and I sit down and do any kind of commander-related top eight list, you'll know that we really lost it because that's like <laughs> pulling, <laughs> that's like that's like pulling teeth with Luis because uh, you know he had a Drow new deck once, I had a Teferi deck once, and that's really how we play Magic. So you can you can tell we're not the best for that kind of uh, topic. But, uh, <laughs> but it could happen. Puppy blue cards for EDH. <laughs> 
Yeah, top eight yeah. blue creatures ever printed. Number one for top eight. You can look for in the next coming week. Uh, who knows when this will get posted? But we're going to have top eight magic magic artists of all time. Top Ooh. eight free spells. Uh, and um, top eight mythic rares impacting standard today. Those should all probably be going up uh, this week, being January the 27th, uh, Leaf Week and week of GP Seattle, et cetera, et cetera. So check those out. Uh, also, hopefully tonight, as we're recording this, our wonderful video editor is posting Dar- uh, Dark Ascension Innistrad draft videos from both myself and Luis, where we happen to be in the exact same draft pod by coincidence, <laughs> recording our drafts. Yeah, doesn't uh, LSP have one of the the DII drafts on on the site like now? He has so far. He's posted a couple. Um, again, tonight will be Luis DII draft number three and TSG T, uh, DII. Oh, that's a lot of letters. Uh, <laughs> DII draft number one. Oh uh, well. The only reason I'm bothering to plug this is because not only are we in the same draft, not only do we flip draft one, but obviously <laughs> I smash him in. <laughs> 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 that is awesome. I don't want to look forward to that. I've already given a lot away. Please check that out. If you if you guys if you guys haven't, if your audience hasn't, go back watch that one. I think my absolute favorite part is game one. He goes like mountain swamp, and I've gone scorn villager, which then flips, and I play turn three gutter grind because I'm just like, you know what? He's probably got a bunch of removal spells, and uh, that was a very good game of magic from my standpoint. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you watch his recording of it, he was not very happy at all. <laughs> Outstanding. So check we'll that out. Sure uh, follow that me out. on Twitter, at Tristan Gregson. That'll help me out a lot. Uh, I just broke 2,000 followers. I'm trying to break 10,000 by the end of this year. And nice. if I, I'll, I'll have a, uh, a special present for all of my followers. Uh, but I'm doing it um, Kanye style, so you're going to have to try to follow me because I'm not really big on Twitter, but I'm into the game, so check that out. Uh, again, check out Channel Fireball. Uh, at this point, it seems elementary. You guys stop by there, I hope, at least five times a week. But we're going to do so much more of the website in 2012, and I want to be more involved with the video content that we have. Like we said, cube videos coming, more cube content coming. Right now, you really have to dig deep to try to find my list posted on the website, although it is there, and I'm trying to keep a more active change log of the things that I do. And, uh, you know, podcasts in 2012, who knows? The sky's the limit. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. I love the show, and I can't wait to be back again. Awesome. Thank you. Great talking to you. Good we'll talking for all that content. Very cool. All right. Enjoy the next two hours of the show. I will see you guys later. <laughs> very, very cool. Wow. Well, how how far, speaking of speaking of two hours, how far are we into this thing? Uh, Let's see. Two hours, 27. Oh, my. Oh, my. But word. I think that included, like, when we were talking before. Yeah, and we were on we were on for a little while before. Well, uh, is there any other stuff you guys you guys want to talk about that uh, as far as lessons with Cube? I mean, I, I I've I've had my say about a few different things, and I, I don't feel like I'm necessarily missing anything. Um, I guess I could talk about one more thing, but I'll leave it to you guys if you want to mention anything. I feel like I probably should. I guess I guess it was one of those things kind of related to the stuff I was talking about, just like when. You know, try to have a very, like, when evaluating cards, just try to get a big perspective. Don't just, like, uh, you know, sometimes I find, at least with smaller niche formats, like uh, Cube, I guess with EDH, like, Legacy, but I know it happens at least with Vintage, is it tends to be kind of insular, maybe, like, kind of this inbred kind of thing, where evaluations are kind of inbred or something like that, and, I don't know, like, for example, like, when I'm usually evaluating cards, I'll usually just text, you know, usually I text Kenny about it saying, like, hey, what do you think of so-and-so? Like, what do you think of uh, Devoted Druid or 
what was that scorn villager that one in a green tapper that flips? Yeah, that that guy. Like, uh, I I didn't even think about that card until I saw uh, Tristan uh, put it in his list, and then I asked him on his, on the Facebook about it, and uh, and he said it was, did what he wanted it to do, and uh, so I've added it and I've kept it in. Like, uh, so far, like, uh, I I think it's a reasonable card. I, I haven't been super impressed yet, but I I'm gonna give it some more time, and it has a lot of potential. So. Yeah, and and that's what I try to do usually is like you know just. I try to get a more, like, before I would just kind of stick to, like, way back in my cube, I would just consult with one person, and, like, he just recommended, recommended a lot of just awful, just jank, like, Muse Vessel and, like, Stalking Vengeance. I don't know if you guys know what those cards do, but they're not good for cube. And I just remember just, like, listening to him just almost, like, because, you know, he was a good player, so I just listened to him, and then just realizing that, my cube was a lot worse because I just listened to him. Though, like he recommended, like no aggro cards. He was just like, "Oh, they're all bad." And just getting a variety of opinions, I think, is definitely a good thing to do. Like if you're, you know, the whole analogy of like a blind person, you know, just like feeling an elephant. You know, it's like where they're they're feeling like a certain part of it, like the trunk or whatever, and then just like trying to describe it. I don't know if that analogy really works. No, I, I know what you're talking about. That like uh. Like, I, in my bookmarks tab of my browser, like, I have, like, a thing called for cubes, and I just have a list and a list of, of, like, cubes that I pay attention to, and they're just bookmarked on there. And so I just, like, every little while I'll just go and click through a bunch of cubes and scan through for any, any kind of new cards or, you know, interesting-looking, you know, archetypes and de- or developments that, you know, people have been implementing. And, uh, you know, if it looks good, I might, you know, try to try to get out in my cube. And that's, you know, there's just a million different resources out there for the, for the format already. And it's good to just take it all in. And, uh, you know, not everything's good, but it's better than being ignorant. Yeah, and I, I, find, I guess it's kind of in the same vein as, like, before I would maybe be scared to try new cards or try different things, it's like, well, like with Elish Norn, I think that was a big one where I was just like scared to try it. You know, maybe it was like other people were like, no, this isn't good. And eventually I was like, you know what? Just try it. And I think, I don't know, it seems like I think people are sometimes scared to try new things in Cube or try new cards. I don't I, know. I just, don't want to, I just don't want to try non shiny things. That's my issue. No, I, I get that. Your cube yeah. is beautiful. <laughs> I like using I uh, pieces of paper. Like, I have a Zozu the Punisher that's literally. A, uh, like some awful like common from shards, and it's just written like those you the Punisher, just to try it out, and then if it's good, just you know. Oh uh, please! I've been looking for an, uh, a nice Ankh of Mishra now for probably six months, and and can't seem to find one to to try it out. I, I just, figured I could uh, either run. I, I'm not sure if I want. I think I want Alpha Beta because I think the was it Seventh Ed. Six. Oh, six. That had, one of them had the windmill that you can get coil. Yeah, that art sucks. Get a collector's edition. They're like a couple bucks. Yeah, Smart birds aren't edition. Don't worry. Uh, then I have to spend money on cards. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe some dealers will do. Uh, yeah, because I could see you know, Beta 1, 40 bucks. Collector's edition, well... Six. They have a collector. They have some collector's edition ones on this website. I'm looking at which are a dollar seventy five. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I'm eventually. I, that's one of the things I'm intending to get, uh, collector's edition onk. Like, I eventually got a collector's uh, control magic, 
And it's just the whole square border thing, in case, you know, people, listeners who are just, like, worried about the whole square corners thing, literally a non-issue. It's completely a non-factor with opaque sleeves. Like, I've got a white knight when I was running it in collector's edition. I was like, hey, this is pretty good. And then, you know, took it out, my cube, and then, yeah. I think the only collector's edition thing I'm running is control magic. But, yeah, definitely uh, collector's editions are good. Yeah, I guess I, I never even it never even occurred to me to try to get a, a collector's edition one. I guess yeah. it would really bother me. I could just trim the corners or whatever, but... Yeah, don't worry. It's not like they're that they're it's not like they're that expensive. But if I ruined it, I'd be out a bunch of money. Yeah, and I think like there's some cards like Moxin and Dual Lands are obviously a lot, but the cards that really are only played in cube that nobody really cares about, like Control Magic, is like a couple bucks, Ankh, a couple bucks. I don't know, yeah, I, I would love to be able to get a, a foreign a foreign black border Ankh might be nice. Oh, you know, like a German revised, kind of like my uh, my oh, the Winter Orb. orb? Yeah. Frostbringer? Frostbringer. Frostbringer, that's just beautiful. That is pretty awesome. Yeah. When I saw that IRL, I was like, man, that is... Yeah, Frostbringer. Yeah. Still need to find a, a villain's croft somewhere, too. It's croft. Well, One but... of these days. Villain's croft is a force of will in German. Oh, wow. W-I-L-L-E-N-S-K-R-A-F-T. Wow. Oh, by the way, I think there was uh, somebody who was saying we we sucked at apparently pronouncing German stuff. He said he should be he should come on the show to to school us on German pronunciations. <laughs> I mean, come on, we're stupid Americans. What is he going? That's what I said. We're gangs. I mean, also you know, have a very good resource in my own house on how to pronounce foreign languages. And I guess if I really want to go to it, but your cat Frostbringer. Nope. No, <laughs> uh, uh, as much as the cats think they speak our language. There's <laughs> one of them meowing at me now. Oh. <laughs> Time to eat, huh? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, just happened to have an, you know, an opera singer hanging around, too, so. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder who, who else said that. I didn't see that comment about... That I, think it was on, I think it was on Twitter. The uh, I think it's like Nikolai uh, Schoenwald. Schoenwald? No, mispronounce <laughs> uh, his name too. Nikolai Schoenwald. Yeah, Schoenwald. It's like a super American accent, like Schoenwald. Schoenwald, because it's probably like an E with an umlaut. Yeah, Schoenwald. I want to get some of that Jager Meister. Meister. The drink. Oh, I don't, he wasn't actually, like, mad or something. Was just, oh, no, no. He was giving me trouble about it. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, of course. Yeah. I don't, think we've, I don't think we've gotten any kind of, like, hate mail or anything like that. Oh, it's been a while. Yeah. Well, I guess we could, maybe we need to talk bad about Massacre or something. Yeah, maybe we need to slaughter some more sacred cows. Yeah. That would be sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need more hate. Yeah, the other, you know, I, I guess the only other thing that that I would have to say really is uh, how important, you know, one thing I've definitely learned, you know, I've always been a, a, a friendly individual for the most part, but knowing and getting to meet people through cubing is probably one of the easiest and most valuable ways you can do to, to get in touch with your community. And if you, uh, if you're basically if you're nice to your community, they'll be nice back to you, and 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 hopefully we'll see that with this whole Justin situation about how people are going to be willing to to kind of step out and help each other. Um, 
as I think all of us as, as cube owners and players all feel a special kind of kinship, you know, even if people's evaluations may be wildly different than yours, I, I think there, there's still a, uh, a certain simpatico be- between all of us. And th- that's not something I ever really got as a Magic player uh, before this this whole thing happened. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I don't, Usman, I don't think you and I ever would have wound up talking to each other if it weren't for this this type of thing. Yeah, it, like, we pretty much met on the Cube Forum, and then you came to St. Louis for the Star City thing. And then, <laughs> and then, then I made you sit around, because you're like, is he, what's going on? Why well, I, was, I, actually wasn't, I actually wasn't there for that long. I just was kind of driving in, and I think I checked my cell phone and said you were in top eight, and I'm like, oh. But yeah, I had no idea what you looked like, so it was kind of like, I was like, wait, who, <laughs> who is this guy? Right, just like looking like, who has a cube around? Nobody has. Which one is he? Well, he's not Alex Burdencini. <laughs> is he one of these? Uh, is he the guy doing the crotch smashing in the Goblins versus Moat Mirror and Moat Match, or is he the one getting it kicked in? Yeah, I think... I wonder which one it is. I ended up finding out, I think through reading, like, I think Bill Stark was doing a type-up of it, and he was saying, like, Anthony Avatolo does blah, 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 blah. And then I think I came in right when your opponent cast Moat, and you had, like, no answers to it. And like, oh, huh, came in at a bad time. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. It was just like, uh, you know, got to take, you know, all his important cards out of hand, and he's just like, meh, draw it. And I'm like, sweet, well, I can still kill him with Jang. I'm like, Jang. He's like, meh, draw a pithing needle, naming Jang. Oh. Like, well, I can kill kill him. I can maybe still kill him with this. He's like, meh, pithy needle naming goblin sharpshooter. I'm like, and that's me. Yeah. Jeez, yeah. yeah. like a, a cop rat or something later on. I'm like, it's just completely unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. Still had all these protections. And after that, I remember saying, like, hey, uh, I forget. I just introduced myself in, like, the worst possible fashion. And we're thinking, like, man, this guy probably thinks I'm, like, an idiot. And I think, Kenny, when I introduced myself to you, I probably sounded, like, awful as well. We're thinking, like, man, I probably sound awful. No. No, man. Hey. <laughs> no, like, like, we were, I think, yeah, we met it. We met in person for the first time. It was Indy, right? Yeah, it was at the, Indi- at the Invitational, yeah. yeah. And I remember, like, I think I was asking, like, should I splash for, what was that, Lord of Extinction in a black-white deck? And then... I think I remember like a couple minutes later thinking like, man, never mind. That's actually like super loose. <laughs> That's actually awful. I mean, I might do that. I, I think my deck had a ton of finishers anyway. I know it had. Actually, I don't remember what it had. I know it didn't have Mimic Vat because I got curb stomped by it. <laughs> I know what it didn't have. What, what, didn't it, what, what didn't it have? A way to deal with Mimic Vat? <laughs> I think I might have. I just don't think I had it. I think I don't think I drew it. That's what they all say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I like I wouldn't have met Kenny either if it wasn't for the whole you know being in Cube. I wouldn't like I remember going to Star City, Memphis, just to Cube, literally. Yeah. I, was, I have no intention of actually playing. You know, I don't and, feel like playing Caw, whatever. I'm just like I'm just here to Cube. Same thing. Go get some uh, awesome barbecue afterwards. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's rendezvous for the win. And we're like, where is it? It's down the street somewhere. Yeah, and by the, by the way, the reason why I led you down that street as opposed to the other one was because that one was well lit, and the other one was, like, ghetto fabulous. Yeah, I mean, right, it's, it was bad enough that we had random homeless people high-fiving us and then, like, yeah. offering us drugs later on. Yeah. And that was down, you know, the safe, well-lit street. Yeah. I mean, you know, Memphis is awesome. You just might get shot. Might, you know, have a tragic slip. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Ooh, like that? 
Speaking of which, uh, have any of you guys tried that one? I, I've actually been a little more impressed with that one recently, the it's, more I look at it. It's pretty good. Like, uh, I haven't seen it come up a lot in Cube Dress, but uh, so far I'm, I'm fine with it. I think it's, I think being one mana removal spell makes it, you know, a small class of, of, of good cards, you know, cards that do that, like Disfigure, Innocent Blood, It. And, like, I guess you can talk about, like, Snuff Out and something else, like, that are just really low-curve, good against aggro, good in aggro. Like, of course, Innocent Blood's not, but, like, I mean, it's it does work, I guess, and it's making ways and constructed. We'll, I'll have to give it more time before I make a, a, a true decision on it, but I'm, I don't think it's in my cube for a while, but I have a much larger cube than most, so. I hate to ask these annoying questions, but how would you say it compares to, like, the stand up, the standbys, like say, go for the throat and I mean, bone shredder and snuff out and whatever. I'm not, I'm not a huge bone shredder fan, but I know it's got a, it's got a ton of synergies and a lot of people like it. Like, it's more of a controlling card than than a card for decks I like to play. But like, I mean, go for the throat's just, just too, too awesome to even compare it for the most part. Like, I mean, go for the just, it's almost like a black STP. Like, I, I, I think the card is really, really good. Like, what about, uh, like, compared to Dismember or something? Or not Dismember, uh, Disfigure. There we go. Yeah. Disfigure is yeah. con- consistent, but limited in targets. Tragic Clip is not as consistent, but it scales a lot farther. Like, I, I don't really, like, I don't I don't know if I'll ever be able to tell which one is, is better. Like, but a few at a time, I guess. They're both, well, they're both good. And like I said, I, I've recently have been having to have to play against a Tragic Slip, you know, that, that GP trial, you know, against the Zombies deck. It's just like, at, at some point, it started factoring into my evaluation of what I wanted to block and not block, yeah. because I really didn't want to lose my Inferno Titan. Like, I knew I couldn't, you know, it, it became a, what's the value, you know, what's the risk of me taking extra damage here versus losing my Inferno Titan before I at least get a swing in, you know, because... Even after I get a swing in, you know, it's, it's going to be a significant amount of damage, and I'm probably going to kill something and get a tragic slip. Yeah. You know, even yes. before it can actually connect. And, and the fact that uh, cube decks are so much based on creature interaction right now, I, I can definitely see where it could be big game. And, and I think, and while I'm not convinced yet, I, I feel like having seen it in action some, I feel like I, I might be missing the boat a little bit on it. But because I've never been excited by Disfigure, but Neg thirteen, Neg thirteen, it's a lot. <laughs> am am I horrible for like whenever I like? I actually haven't had the opportunity to actually play the card, but am I horrible for like wanting to make like a three Stooges sound whenever? Because like, whoa, 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 whoa. oh no, of course. I mean, people have uh, trying. To, I think uh, is it like Ruben Bressler is trying to get a uh, an altar with a banana peel on it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I think any sort of Comedic. any sort of slapstick type element I think is is perfectly uh, easy to do it. Or maybe like him holding a sign like Wiley Coyote being like, "Uh oh." Right, right, right. Or like with like, an exclamation mark or whatever. Right. It's like right. What it is? It's you know Wiley Coyote holding the exclamation mark sign, but his neck's all stretched out because his body's already falling. You know what I mean? How he only falls part at a time. Yeah. It's just yeah. the way it works. Speaking of like cards that have kind of changed my evaluation on are kind of like I wouldn't call them army in a can because they really aren't but kind of like cards that can take over a game like Bloodline Keeper and Master of the Wild Hunt stuff like that where they can take over a game I used to be really down on those cards and I think like I said I like Bloodline Keeper 
I think, or like Master of the Wild Hunt, I was I thought it was awful. I was like, oh, that car's awesome. Yeah, I was like, man, this car dies, sucks. And then like I really want to fit it in my cube. I don't know if I have room for it just because like green four ops are stupid. Like, yeah. But it's just like I remember being really down on that card and thinking, well, maybe it can take over the game if it survives. If if it does, and then but. Like, they might have the removal spell, but more often than not, they didn't, kind of. I don't know, I just, I was just thinking that I just saw blood paper on like, hey. But I think that was, you know, something I changed my mind on, at least, again, with the whole, like, you know, overall card evaluation kind of thing. Yeah, I've, I've been digging Bloodline Keeper so far. I mean, I obviously really like Master of the Wild Hunt. I think Kenny does, too. Uh, yeah, I love both of them. But Bloodline Keeper has definitely been, been performing well enough uh, for us at this point to... Uh, that, that it's sticking around for a, for a little while longer, that's for sure. Yeah. Same with Master of the Wild Hunt, it's like removal for green. Right, well, not only that, right, you're not, I mean, e- even better than, uh, what, you know, even better than Bloodline Keeper, I mean, this guy is not only is he making, not only is he making tokens without having to tap them so he can still attack or whatever, but he's also removal that doesn't expose himself. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, for example, uh, uh, you know, uh, Nightfall Predator. That oh, you know, right. when, when you when you fight something, it exposes the creature that has the ability to getting killed. Doesn't expose him at all. He sticks the wolves on them. You know. Go get him. By the way, so, some extra uh, some extra interactions there with uh, Master of uh, Huntmaster as well. Yeah. You get, and, wolf, you get a wolf token. And New Garrick. Right. And New Garrick. You can just spam wolves. Man, that guy's also ridiculous. Oh yeah. All right. Is there anything else you you want to talk about or or cover? We I'm sure we've got enough content for people out there. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's oh oh I forgot about the most imp- one of the most important points we talked about beforehand. If there's something I learned, don't be a douche. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I even wrote it down. I know, and we forgot to mention it. Just important lesson to learn because if you are, people aren't going to want to play cards with you. People aren't going to want to trade you their cards that you need. People are going to, you know, do things like not be careful with your stuff or steal your stuff or, you know, whatever else. Don't be a douche. The more you know. <laughs> I think it's a right. valuable life lesson. Yeah, for sure. Just to you know, not be a douche. We really right. need that little, like, sound cue of the more you know. Yeah, I was just like thinking the, the whole more you know. You know? Yeah. <laughs> we need a sound effects guy. There we go. We can be like a morning talk show. Right, as long as you be, right, and then you can talk about tragic slip, and you can have that whoop sound yeah. every single time we talk about it. And yeah. Oh wow! Wow! I'm an idiot for t- the card. The one card we're talking about cards that we, you know, initially thought sucked, but realized that they're good. And I don't right. know why, Anthony, you didn't slap me upside the head because I didn't mention it. Stoneforge Mystic. Oh yeah. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> Like I remember, like the first episode, I think I was kind, of, I was in doubt, and so was everybody else except Anthony. <coughs> Why did you to cough? I just called you out on it. <laughs> I was gonna say. Yeah, and like everybody was like. And let me hold on. Let me let me pause for an arrogant sniff here. Yeah, to me. There you go. Yeah, and but everybody <laughs> and their mother was like, "Man, what is it gonna? You know, it's okay, so you can get sword of fire, and ice, and light and shadow, and maybe this new sword, but." Who cares? Like, a lot of the times it's just not going to do anything. And I don't think it wasn't just, like, Feast and Famine, uh, War and Peace, and Batter Skull that made Stoneforge Mystic good. It was good beforehand. It was good beforehand. Of course it was. 
But, like, I just remember everybody and their mother was, like, myself included, on that first, on the pilot, I was like, you know, I'm going to give this a shot. Anthony said it's good, so I'm going to try it. And, yeah, it's pretty damn good. It's it pretty turns insane. Out, it's the to- best white two-drop and probably the best white creature. It's It's that good. I think I can get behind that. It's an archetype builder too. It's a it's a flagship archetype card as well, which is which is super nice, you know. Yeah, it makes me kind of sad that uh, what's that card? Godo. Like I know Kenny, you used to run your cube and you took it out. I, I put it back in again. Oh, because, did you like, put Elbrus in? Uh, Please say yes. You put because if I'm playing no. Godo, I'm going and getting Elbrus the Demon Blade or whatever it is with it. I just flip cards around all the time. I take them out for a few weeks, and, and like, I wanted to try Goto again, see if I could give him a little bit more of a shot. And, like, so I'm trying him out again. If he fails again, I'll sw- swap him out. I, I keep things pretty pretty loose. I, 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 I switch things up a lot in my cube. And right now, trying Goto some more because I freaking love Stoneforge Mystic, so. Yeah. How has how had Goto been, like, just, like, like, if you were to say a grand picture of how he's been, like, if you were paint a picture somehow. Like he's a lot of equipment is not as good with him as it is with Stoneforge Mystic. Either putting it in play is not good, say, for like the uh, Sigil Distinction or Whoa. it's just not good enough later on like like some of the stuff like Bone Splitter or like Basilisk Collar like it's just not, not as good later on. But like Swords or Batterskull. Batterskull would be like the nut. <laughs> yeah, the is insane with him. You swing oh. for 14. <laughs> like, yeah. So so just out of curiosity, I looked up Stonehewer Giant. Yeah. Uh, foils of that card are actually worth a million dollars, too. Yeah. Like, is it 10? Uh, times 2.5. <laughs> what? That's EDH for you right there. Yep. Oh, God. I mean, regular ones are five foils or twenty-five oh. full retail. Oh, okay, and that's a card yeah. good. I mean, that that was a junk rare forever. Yeah. You print batter or yeah, batter skull, and stuff happens. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this one you even get to search it. You, I mean, you get to do it at an instant speed. You're like attack you, and they're like, all right, no blocks. You're like, they're like, what's the worst that can happen? And you're like, activate stone hero giant, put Elbrus. The blinding blade on that. <laughs> thirteen, thirteen. What's up? Or even batter skull or something, or sword, sort of like fire knights or anything really. All right, so, sort of F and U, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which did a couple of uh, Rochester's recently when I was in Philadelphia and uh, drafted a black green deck in the first one, and my opponent eh, casually had feast and famine in his deck and killed me with it both games. Wow. And then had a uh, black-white deck. The next one eh, casually had sort of uh, light and shadow and killed me with it both games. Just like, oh, oh this, is, uh, this, is, uh, this is awesome. <laughs> kind of annoying. Yeah, but literally sort of effing you. Yeah. So. <laughs> Jeez. Which, you know, happens. Wow. Yeah. All right, well, <laughs> let's... Uh, let's Take some take some plug time here, and, and we keep teasing this uh, this Twitter account for uh, for third power. Um, hopefully, we'll get that started soon. Because, like I said, I do have a giveaway as well, so we're, we're going to have to do that one of these days. But, but for now, um, Kenny Mayer, why don't you, as our guest, why don't you do the honors of letting people know where they can find your great wisdom? I uh, apparently have a, a Twitter account that is started. 
the username is Mayor of Averbrook, and honestly, I didn't even start the thing, but I am running it now. <laughs> so I am. How did it start? Like, didn't you? Were you talking to Eric Klug or something? Yep. Uh, Klug was like, "You need to start a Twitter account," and I was like, "All right, yeah, I'll get on that." Uh, he's like, when are you going to start Twitter, Kenny? Come on, we all want to hear what you have to say. And I was like, ah, yeah, I'll get on that tomorrow. And eventually he just started one for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then he plugged on his Twitter account, everybody follow him. So I had a reasonable amount of followers without ever even logging in. Still, like, I was like, all right, well, I appreciate the startup that you got for me. So, yeah. <laughs> it, And I think you know, now you got, like, what, 300 or something? Uh, yes, uh, yes, yes. Did you just click it or something? <laughs> uh, maybe. Yeah, I was typing it too. I was just like, <laughs> It's like, hmm, uh, yes. Uh, I mean, I, I, I post like once, maybe twice a day, like, so I'm not the most active, but I'm trying to get better. Like, I mean... There's a lot of good stuff on there, and I, I need to I need to go through and click a lot more people to follow, but yeah. that's that's the hard part is like like you know sifting through all the the millions of possibilities on there and finding the the people that I want to follow. But I know there's a ton more stuff out there that I would like to be you know reading, but like it's it's finding the time and energy to do that. So. Yeah, Twitter's mess. Speaking of which, you can find me on Twitter at uh, at Anthony42. A N T K N E E four two. Uh, just look for the Stoneforge Mystic little icon. Oh, the OG Stoneforge Mystic fan. That's right. And didn't you like have like a lot of them foil like before it became uh, huge? Yeah, I. That that was you know one of the few reasons that sustained it sustained it sustained me uh, my trading through uh, through a couple of moves is that that card got printed. And I'm like, man, I really like this card. And, you know, at the time, there were only two or three each. Basically picked up as many as humanly possible. And then when they released the uh, From the Vault set, we saw sort of body in mind. And I went, holy crap, they're going to print all three. And basically moved in and at one point was up to 32 to 35 normal ones. And about, f- and I had my set of five foil ones. Wow. So my play set plus one for the cube. And then they spiked to uh, 25, and the last day before they were printed in the event deck, if you remember, they were printed in one of the event decks, I got ah. to trade two of them for a foil batter skull uh, the day before they were announced, because it was over one of the Star City weekends. Yeah. And, so, and, and then, at that point, all I had was my play set of, of five left, and then it was like, bang, event deck, big drop in price, and you're banned. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> So, uh, possibly the best timing possible. Um, although I, I can I can reflect back and and say that I traded four of them for a uh, four of them for a a Vengevine at one point. Huh. Little Vengevine, yeah. I traded four of them for a Vengevine, which at the time Vengevine was forty. And the Stone Forges were only you know five to seven. So I was like, man, this is a great deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, so, yeah, uh, Vengevine's like median of ten now. Right, and well, you know, to be fair, that that Vengevine helped me uh, top eight a legacy open at the Invitational in Richmond in said survival deck. Oh, yeah, survival and a Phyrexian, what was it, the seven mana stupid one? Uh, You played Devourer. Devourer, yeah, yeah. I don't remember the name of it. But yeah, it's that one, and and Ooze, 
who's the boss. Oh, yeah. At Friscallion. Yep. And literally, they, I would just play that. All day, I would just play that deck, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go get some Venge Vines and kill them. And I'm like, oh, wait, never mind. I'll just actually just kill them instead. Combo kill you? Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I literally gave people extra turns all day. Because instead of just going for the plan, I would just go for, like, the value Vengevine plan. And then I'm like, wait, they're tapped out, and I have this much mana available, and, oh, yeah, you're dead. My bad. Yeah, I, I can just kill you. One, one of my opponents was like, I started going through the combo, and I'm like, all right, activate, remove the counters, get you. And he's like, swords your guy. I'm like, okay, activate again. <laughs> like, do this again. And I, and I kept doing it, and one time, and he's like, I, he looks at me, and he goes, I have another swords in hand. It's not going to help me, is it? And I said, no. He's like, okay. <laughs> he picked up his cards and we went to the next game. Yeah, that wow. was like the worst time of Legacy. Like, it was awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were three decks. It was uh, blue <laughs> blue, Venge- blue uh, survival decks, green-white attacking survival decks, and then uh, black-green-white uh, combo survival decks. Yeah. So, yeah, it was yeah. kind of like when people, I think it was on Yo! MTG Taps, they were joking about, like, when the Titans were everywhere, and, you know, they would joke saying, you know, hey, standard's great. You can play a Sun Titan deck. You can play a Frost Titan deck. You can play a Fabulous <laughs> Titan deck. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you can play any of those. And I guess the yeah, Leg- Legacy was like that, too, where it's like, hey, you can play this survival You can play deck. Control Survival. You can play Aggro Survival, or you can play Combo Survival. Yeah. It's the whole, it's the whole metagame. It's the whole Rock, Paper, Scissors. There you go. Yep. I think, did Chapin say something like that, or am I... Yeah, I, th- I think that it was Chapin. I'm okay. pretty sure it was him. So, yeah, yeah and I, I remember... Yeah, um, yeah I got... Yeah. No. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I definitely took advantage of that, because I think, like, the next weekend it got banned. <laughs> so I, I got in at the last possible second, and should have should have gone much further, and instead punted my top eight match after a long day. Oh. But, you know, happens. Basically, I punted game two, so I still would have had to have won a game three. But, uh, yeah, ran big punsies. Uh-oh. We've okay. all done it. So. Yeah, it happens. So, all right, well, you can also uh, find us at the blog. Um, I need to update my cube list there, and I know Spawn can use the print there. That's where the crack packs are. That's uh, uh, I'd rather be cubing.wordpress. Yep. Dot com. Uh, yeah. Dot com, yep. There's also the show email, uh, which is mtg the third power at uh, gmail.com. I don't know. Anything else uh, you want to mention? Well, there's, uh, I guess, my Twitter, Usman the Red, where oh, I, I you didn't say that. occasionally post. I don't know. Apparently, I post a lot, but, yeah. If you would <laughs> I like had 5,000 tweets. That's crazy. If you would like to hear evaluation questions like, okay, everybody, I need to know. Batter's <laughs> Skull versus Library of Alexandria. Go. I usually say, like, the stuff that's harder, like... <laughs> I'm playing messing with you. I, I, right, I, I got it. I got it. I did something like, how is uh, Megas of the Moon and Zozu and Q? And and I think I asked something like, is Graveborn Muse or. Uh, yeah, Graveborn Muse or. Uh, yeah, that was the. Most re- and I think I, I intentionally didn't put the MTG Cube hashtag on there because I was asking it generally, but people mm-hmm. assumed I was talking about Cube. And then I was just like, I don't, I don't care. That, that's actually fine. Yeah. I mean, what else are you talking about? Yeah, what am I talking about? Standard? Right. EDH. I'm talking about kitchen table. There we go. I got that EDH. We're playing Rainbow Stairwell. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Prismatic. Have you ever played Rainbow Stairwell? You have to have, like, one of each creature at each mana cost in each color. What? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's called Rainbow Stairwell. Like, you play, basically, you construct your deck, and you have one through six drops in red, one through six drops in blue, you know, one at each one. 
you know, it's a, it's a big deck format, and you basically, uh, you're, you're only allowed to play one creature of each mana cost and of each color, and you're required to play red one through six, blue one through six, red, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Artifact creature one through six. Huh, that sounds awful. Well, you know, it's like, much like EDH, it's one of those things that you're like, hey, I have a bunch of cards laying around. Let's do something with them. I mean, that's how the whole Type 4 thing got started. Yeah. I have all these cards. What am I going to do? So. Let's make a format. Yeah. Right, exactly. Well, cool, guys. Well, I also hey, have a uh, gratuitous yeah. plug for uh, my articles on Star City. Ah, of course. One should be coming out Monday. I uh, I didn't have one a couple weeks ago because... Well, you did a combo article. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that didn't count. But, yeah, I mean, I guess it did. Yeah, the one me and Justin did. Reviewing that was a, that was a really fun one to write too. Like cool. the computer, my computer was being awful, and I typed it on my girlfriend's computer, which was like apparently Stone Age. I was like, type shows up. <laughs> it was so bad for that part, but yeah, I don't know. Like I said, my next article probably is going to be about like outsourcing to other formats and you know how to you do that effectively. And yeah, I don't know. I think it'll be an interesting article, but I don't know. I I enjoy doing it. <laughs> well, very cool. Well, uh, thanks for hanging out. What were you going to say, Kenny? Uh, nothing. Well, you have a <laughs> Kenny. Uh, do you want to plug your cube thread on Salvation so I can gratuitously link to it? I mean, if if you if you want, I mean, there's not a lot of activity there. I try to keep it updated with the whatever changes I do. Like I don't really post when I make changes for the most part, other than when a set comes out. I just you know change it up from week to week, just to keep things fresh around here and uh, give different cards, you know, time to shine or fail. So. Yeah, I don't know, like, I usually, like, your your thread is one of the ones I definitely check pretty often. Like, when I'm trying to think of new ideas, it's like, hey, I will look at this. I mean, obviously, you know, large cube versus small cube, yada yada, whatever, mm-hmm. but it's definitely one that I check pretty, you know, when I'm looking for, when I'm brainstorming phrase, it's like, hmm, Google this. Yeah, one of these days I'll try to keep mine updated. I always get these grand ideas like, yeah, I'm going to update it all the time. And, yeah, I still don't think I've updated my list since, like, Innistrad. I just update on the blog, and that's it. Like, I haven't updated on Salvation in, I think, in over a year. <laughs> so I just update on the blog. It's like, sure, go here. Yeah, I mean, that seems, that seems completely reasonable with, you know, since you have your blog. I mean, you might as well make that the source of, your, you know, your list. Yeah, and I think during the episode, somebody posted a comment on it being like, hey, I think you should try a hollow burial over a route. I'm like, I don't know, I didn't really respond to it because I'm recording. So. I mean, I played, I mean, I, I still have a foiled hollow burial uh, that I, I used for a while, and I mean, it's fine. Yeah. I, I just like the instant speedability yeah. of route, but, you know. Yeah, I like route more, but I did just add a hollow burial as an additional. I, I think I it's the next best you. one. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I definitely, I mean, you know, we we went on soapbox about Austere Command and whatever. Oh, Even yeah. Acroma's Vengeance, ultimately, like, I cut that, like, the whole non-synergy with enchantments and, like, white enchantment-based removal, like, O-Ring and Journey to Nowhere and whatever, were just pretty awkward. Like, sure, kill the board and, oh, you get back, Jace. Oh. Yeah, but then you get to do sweet things like cast a parallax wave and like remove all your guys and then uh and then wrath. And then uh Acroma's yeah. Vengeance. And you're like, Oh my god, all my guys came back, I'm so lucky. <laughs> I'm no, so it, good at this game. The problem like 
we had here with the Chroma's Vengeance is just that all the decks that want a Chroma's Vengeance also want signets of all the various types, and it just oh yeah, and the mana rocks and it always ended up being like you would have to like two for one or three for one yourself to two two or three for one them, so you'd just break even, uh-huh. and like it would it would it just wasn't enjoyed by a lot of our players here, so I ended up not uh not running it at the moment. Where people like, have there ever been any examples like when you've taken out on a card, or taken a card out, and I guess either way, like people were just like shrug, don't care, or on the other flip side, when people got like pissed off at you, like like I when I took Teferi out of my cube, there was one guy who got like so butthurt about it. I'm like really, but I don't know, has that ever happened where people got like mad or whatever? Yeah, I mean people like. Uh, I don't know how much you all know, like Matt Scott, but he he's oh, known I know for Matt being, well. being a little bit irrational. And sometimes I I remove <laughs> some cards that that aren't like I'll test them out, and they're they're kind of kind of niche kind of cards. But like he he just loves that kind of thing. Like I mean, like I'll have like exploration in there for like a month or two, and the card's probably good enough, but it's just really hard to work, and it's mostly a card that Matt Scott likes, or like for a while. I'd like trade with Rider in there, and like Matt Scott loves those kind of cards, just the kind of like off the wall kind of things. And while I do have trade with Rider back in my cube now, I just have it. It's because I have a huge token theme going on. So, like, but just some people, mostly Matt Scott, like <laughs> just just like really off the wall offbeat cards. And he's like, I can't believe you cut that, Kenny. But I mean, it's it's mostly in jest. Like it's, I mean, I'm just trying. He's not, like, mad at you or anything, like, grr, how dare you? No. no. I think he, if Matt Scott's another person I met through cubing, like, he, I think he was at the Invitational. He's like, hey, I'm, I think he and Tim Piskowski, whatever, yeah, him, yeah, they, they were both, there. like, in a group or whatever, and I think I played against him and beat him. I don't know if he was too happy about it. Like, I flashed, like, ninjutsu didn't ink eyes. He's like, oh. I'm like, sorry, man. He's like, I don't know if he was happy about it, but. Probably wasn't, but hey, no. I mean, that's just how it goes, you know? Sometimes <laughs> guys just gets there, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I apologize, like, a lot with when that yeah. happened. Like, when I played the, uh, whatever, Sun Titan, Winter Orb, Standstill against Ruben, I was like, man, I am so sorry. I just feel like a complete ass. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's fine. Yeah, but that's, but that's awesome. Now yeah, the, uh, I want you to know, and Matt, if you're out there, if for some reason you're listening to this, earlier when we, you know, you talked about, we're only playing for fun, and I said, well, you know, some degenerates. I want you to know that an image of Matt Scott popped into my mind. Because I remember him at the uh, at the last Invitational when we're cube drafting. He just looks at me, and he's like, so what are we playing for? I'm like, pride. Like, not playing for pinks. Pogs? <laughs> right. He's just like, all right, yeah, like, well, like what's what's at stake? And it's like, uh, your pride? <laughs> He seemed kind of disappointed. So they don't serve steak here; they just have burgers. Like, yeah, he was uh, he was disappointed that he didn't have a you know a chance to be a degenerate. I guess. Oh, I'm sure he got over it. <laughs> <laughs> Cry himself to sleep in his top four Grand Prix money. Yeah. All right. Which, by the way, three friends in a row doing well on consecutive weekends on Sundays. I don't know. Yeah, uh, you know, Adam won the uh, the Legacy yeah, Open. Legacy. And then uh, my friend Schneider, Andrew Schneider, won the Legacy Open the following week. And then Matt top four is the GP. Who will be next? Angers. Oh, and a, oh, and a friend of mine won that that fifty person PTQ, and another friend of mine won the Grand Prix trial. 
That was the same day. So it's wow. Like, yeah, we're uh, friends are on a heater. Team Anthony. Yeah, just everybody but me. Oh. <laughs> you actually have to play to be on a heater. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm like, don't rely on me to do anything. I ain't playing. <laughs> like, yeah, I want a local draft. Yes, I want FNM. Woo! Right. I want a draft. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> like, cool. Well, I'm playing a PTQ this weekend, so I'm hoping that okay. little uh, chain continues. Oh man, I'll be I'll be hoping for you. Yeah, you got to work your six degrees of Anthony Avitolo. Right. I'm gonna be playing the deck with the the least uh, play skill required of all you know all of Magic of all time probably. John. Uh, I'm gonna be playing Mono Green Tooth and Nail Tron. It's looking like. Oh, okay. I mean, that's also a fine choice, actually. Yeah. A, a friend of mine won with John this past weekend, and. Also yeah. a very, very not super skill intensive. It's like, yeah. play Bloodbraid Elf. Hit Liliana of the Veil. Laugh at your opponent. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm excited. It gets me excited to play Modern again because Tooth and Nail is one of those cards that I just haven't been able to play outside of, like, random EDH games for the last, like, five years. I used to have an entirely foil, you know, Tron Tooth and Nail deck. Like, I mean, it, it, I used to have so much fun when I was starting to play Magic, and that was one of the decks. So what are the tooth and nail targets in the deck? What are we getting? Emrakul. Are we tooth and nailing for Emrakul and somebody else? And Flame Conceal it. It's mostly Owen's list from Channel Fireball article like a week ago. I think I'm going to mess with like a few cards, but for the most part, it's that's the base of it. And it, I don't know. It was pretty fun. Awesome. I play, played a bunch of games against Mono Blue Tron, or Blue White Tron, I'm sorry, last weekend. And it was it was doing good things. Like, I mean, it was pretty close to the matchup, but I don't know. I like it. Seems awesome. All right, man. Well, good luck, and, and I'm glad we got a chance to do this. Yeah, uh, same here. Always fun, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll do it again soon, closer than uh, once a month. Months. Yeah, I think it was two right. months this time. Really? That long? Yeah, because the last one was before the new year. Was it? No. Yeah, because really? yeah, we were like, uh, we're probably not going to record another one this year, so happy new year. Oh, happy right. Month, man. Whatever. What a beating. Yeah, we wow. need to. Well, real life has just been like... Like, <laughs> here, here's... Getting in the way of stupid hobby. Yeah, it's been pretty much real life, been constricting on free time, <laughs> etc. Stupid hobby. Yeah. All right. Well, very cool, you guys. Well, that's about it for uh, this week's, this month's, this quarter's, <laughs> whatever <laughs> it may wind up being, episode. And, you know, as far as I can tell, there's only one thing left to do. That's right. Rock over London. Rock on Chicago. Judgment. May your wishes come true. Have a great time, everybody. Talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. All right. Peace. Bye. Peace out.